Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 221. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me right now, but that does not mean we will not be hearing from him. Cold Coffee, I should say. Well, let me say first, I am home in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm actually at my uh, home office right now. It's a busy, busy day. Uh, lots going on. We'll get to all that. Uh, but Cold Coffee is in Tampa, Florida right now for a Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 6. I know that he's in Tampa because I know that he's not in Fort Lauderdale. Why would I think that, you ask? Because I accidentally bought him a plane ticket to Fort Lauderdale. That's right. I am an absolute idiot. I uh, I was booking his travel for him. I, I, I handle Cold Coffee's travel. I am Cold Coffee's travel assistant. Uh, it's just the way the accounting works. But anyway, I uh, I booked his flight. We just decided last week to send him out there. And I was I was in New York for Bellator, and I was kind of busy. Um, and just in my head, I thought the damn thing was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So I bought him a ticket to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Cold Coffee didn't even notice. He was like, hey, thanks for getting the ticket. Appreciate you. And then a couple days ago, we noticed, hey, uh, by the way, I'm not flying to Fort Lauderdale. I'm supposed to be flying to Tampa. So I, 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 as soon as he pointed out my mistake, I said, well, are they close? I thought maybe they were, the airports were close. No, turns out they're like four hours away. So I uh, <sighs> had to rebook and uh, cost an extra $200. So if anybody's listening from USA Today or MMA Junkie, the accounting department, I apologize. But those extra $200... All on me. So, anyway, Cold Coffee is in uh, Tampa, BKFC, uh, Malinaji versus Lavoff. And uh, he's going to be bringing us uh, a little bit of his thoughts on the madness that's down there in a little bit. But for me, uh, I have stayed in Las Vegas. It is a, a, a busy, busy week for me here. Uh, it's a busy week of combat sports, period. You know, you look at the, uh, the schedule this weekend and what's on tap. Uh, Bellator has technically two shows, but one. We'll get into more of that later. Uh, but they've got a, a, a robust card over in London that is technically two cards. And then, of course, the uh, UFC has UFC on ESPN Plus 12, Moicano versus the Korean Zombie out there in South Carolina. And then you've got this BKFC event. Now, it's crazy because with all that going on, we've got a, a ton of coverage. MMA Junkie, we actually don't have anybody at uh, the UFC event. Uh, you know, and, and we had planned on that it just budgets are what they are we can only go to so many events and this was one that the higher-ups decided to pass on due to the uh you know the, the visibility of the card and i get it uh you know not huge big superstars in the matchup so they, they weren't going to go to that uh we got kind of lucky with bellator you know we just brought on simon head to the mma junkie staff so uh, originally abby suban was going to be covering that by himself of course he's our videographer based out there in london but We've got Simon Head on now as well, so both of them are covering that show, which means we're getting a little bit more robust coverage of that. And then the decision to send Cold Coffee to BKFC was kind of a, a last-second thing. You know, it, it, the truth is, it's getting clicks. It's doing traffic for the website, man. The Polly Malinaji and and listen, if you're a Roadshow listener, you know we've talked about. It. I I will admit, I'm intrigued by this fight. Uh, Malinaji for all his trash talking, is has caught my attention, and and of course. Artem, I mean, I'm just a, I'm a big Artem fan, man. I, the the guy's always been good to us, and and I think he's fun for the sport. It catches a lot of grief, um, but I think he's a, a great showman and good for the sport. So uh, I'm intrigued by it. You know, you got you got Chris Lieben on the card. I mean, I, I I'm not gonna pretend to know the card, uh, but I do know there's some uh, some names on there. I I probably won't. Hopefully, I will get a chance to watch it. I mean, basically, I'm gonna be. Uh, 
diving into to, to UFC coverage. So that's what I'll be most focused on. We'll, I'll just be doing it from home. Um, but uh, but Cold Coffee will will have the uh, the results of the fights and post fight and all that stuff. So so we'll have it. So yeah. So uh, it was a last second thing, but you know everything we keep posting for this event is doing numbers for us, and that's the name of the game, right? What you know, cover what people want to see, and uh, because of that, Cold Coffee uh, was was tapped kind of last minute to go out there. So he's there. Uh, we don't have anybody on site in, uh, in, in at the UFC event, so kind of wild when you think about that, right? I mean, three combat sports events, and, and we've got on-site coverage for two of them, and, and one of them's not the UFC, so uh, kind of a, a rare weekend for the UFC, to, to say the least. And the card is definitely, in South Carolina, kind of flying under the radar, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, there is so much going on, that's for sure. Uh, they didn't get the, the the biggest headliner of all time. I mean, not the Wakanda versus Chan Sung Jung, Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. A great fight, um, but it is you know fighters coming off a loss. Um, it is you know Hinato Wakanda's English is getting way better. I think he's going out of his way to learn it. It's getting way better, but predominantly Portuguese speaker. You know, Brazilian. Uh, of course, uh, Korean zombie doesn't speak English, so um, you know I, I think that probably contributes. You know, the, neither one of these guys are trash talkers and. You're not hearing a lot of interviews because they're not doing a lot. So, you know, there's that. I mean, Rob Font versus John Lineker, a fine co-main event as well. I mean, that was a good fight the first time around. It was a great fight. I would think I think it'll be big this time too. But you don't you don't you don't have a lot of stars on there. And I think too the UFC is is kind of being cannibalized by their own big events as well. Don't forget the UFC Apex, of course, just opened up. We saw Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, also. Most of the staff right now is actually over in China. The you know the big wigs anyway is over in China because they just opened up uh, this performance institute in Shanghai. So even though the event this week is not big for the UFC, it is a huge week for the company. Uh, and man, when you think about the the millions of dollars worth of facilities that are that are opening between those two locations. Uh, it's pretty incredible. The, the UFC Apex has been talked about for a long time. That's the, the the UFC's new production facility. We got a chance to tour it earlier this week uh, on Tuesday before the Contender Series. Massive. I mean, just can't even get you to understand how big this thing is. I mean, it's 140,000 square feet, so if you want a number, there's the number. But to just get an idea of how big this thing is, it's crazy. And, and they haven't even started to fill it up yet. I mean, the the arena was kind of the centerpiece of it. But there's a lot more being done there. Uh, for instance, the, the, the studios, they're going to be, you know, UFC Tonight and all these studio shows that they used to do out in L.A., they're going to do in Vegas now. So that they won't have that studio space. It'll be done right there on site in Vegas. Um, and, and they just have tons of, of space uh, and technology coming in there. Pretty impressive facility, to say the least. So big, big, big thing for there. Um, and then the Shanghai Performance Institute, you know, this, this, I talked to some of the guys that are over there. And this thing, you know, the buzzword, the, the the promotional hype, this thing is three times bigger than the Performance Institute in Vegas. And that's true, but they were saying just the way it's built, it, it feels like ten times. I mean, it's just absolutely massive. Um, and and it's it's unique because the Performance Institute in Shanghai, if you haven't followed along, is, is a lot different than the one that's in Vegas. It's being built to help identify and develop fighters, whereas the one in Vegas is really designed to kind of support the, the, the fighters. This is designed to find and develop fighters. Uh, no, no question that China is a huge market. Every company in the world is trying to make financial inroads into China. And, and how do you do that in sports? Well, you give them somebody to, to cheer for. You know, the, the Yao Ming uh, concept, I guess you would say. You know, NBA became huge in China 
uh, and basketball as a whole did because of Yao Ming. Now, there's already a handful of, of UFC fighters on the roster, but they want to continue developing and find them. So at this PI, the fighters will have technique coaches. They will be developed. They just had a scouting combine over there where they took in athletes from other uh, other you know, areas of sport basically and ran them through a series of tests. And you think about all the data they've collected already in Vegas from UFC athletes, they now have a benchmark of kind of where you should be, what what kind of attributes uh, are, are beneficial and successful. So they can kind of, you know, see certain numbers the, the same way like an NFL combine. You know, they're looking for certain speeds or repetitions of weight presses or height jumps, and they, you know, they, they, they translate that into some kind of ability. Well, that's what they're doing here too. So big, big thing in China, a lot different, you know, not, I mean, the PI here, the Performance Institute in Vegas has, has been integral. I know it's taken a lot of uh, slack over the, over the years since it's open. It's, it's an easy target, um, but it has been integral to a lot of fighters' careers and, the, and they'll tell you that. Um, but this, this is not only going to provide those services, you know, all your rehabilitation, your recovery services, your, your meal planning, all that. This is actually going to have active coaching and that sort of thing. So big, big thing. And, and there's more of these coming, uh, Dana White said they've already got one uh, in Mexico. Um, they've got the, the the dirt selected, so they've got a plot of land in Mexico City where they're going to build one. He wants two more in Mexico City. Uh, he wants one in Puerto Rico as well. So, I mean, pretty, pretty big times for the UFC. I mean, you think about how far and above they are, you know, planning into the future, what they're what they're looking for and helping develop the sport. It's it's pretty damn impressive. So, um, I, you know, I, I think their excitement uh, over that is is taking a back seat to trying to promote this South Carolina event, and and uh, understandably so. Um, the apex is we got to see Danny White's contender series there, and actually, uh, cool thing, man. Myself and Dan Tom shot a live preview show of contender series uh, inside the UFC Apex. And we're gonna we're gonna do that every week. So uh, if you're a contender series fan and, and you want something to do in, in the time leading up to it, um, basically what we're doing is from 4:15 to 4:45 Pacific, uh, we're doing like a 30 minute live stream, just kind of previewing the card. And uh, it was the first time we had done it. It was fun. Um, you know, we're gonna keep doing it for the rest of the year. I think uh, I, I've been told we might be able to get Dana White on one or two of them along the way, just to give us a little preview or whatever. Maybe we can. Uh, you know, sneak some 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 fighters in there, or whatever. But, but you know, we're just kind of giving giving you an idea of what to look for. Um, definitely going to be uh, trying to factor in Nolan King as well. Of course, uh, a newcomer to the team. If you followed Nolan King's work before he came to Junkie, uh, he was really into kind of breaking fights that were on the Contender Series and uh, keeping up with those bookings. So he does a lot of research there. So we definitely want to use Nolan King on this project as well. But uh, but we are uh, the UFC has allowed us to do this live pre-show, so uh, we had we had fun doing that. I, I had a good time with Dan Tom. Uh, it was a little bit hectic because we weren't sure, <laughs> and this was the brand, you know, the grand opening of this place. We weren't sure how it was going to work or where we were going to be, and it was it was a scramble to, to figure out. But uh, luckily, Cold Coffee was rolling with the punches, as did myself and Dan Tom, and it was it was fun to do. Um, it's still on YouTube. It's still on MMA Junkie. If you want to see the uh, see it, we, we you still can just to get an idea. But if not, just tune in next Tuesday. We'll we'll, we'll do it again. Uh, but the facility's phenomenal. Uh, the Contender Series. I mean, I. Look, I enjoy it. I think it's I think it's great, man. I I I love fights, man. <laughs> so I love having fights on a Tuesday. I love the stakes of the fights, man. I, I love that these are guys and girls that are trying to make their way into the UFC and they're trying to put on. I, I love the show. the 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 apex is phenomenal. Uh, the 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 visuals of it, it's crazy, man. It's like a nice you know little arena. It's not not the the dingy gym anymore. Um, 
you know, the lighting, the the video, they have video screens in there, so we can watch replays in between rounds, and and you know, we can we can actually watch the live action if you've got a bad angle. In the tough gym, if you had a bad angle, you just had a bad angle. You, you're struggling to see. Now it's just like being at a UFC event. You got monitors everywhere that you can look. Um, so it's a phenomenal experience, man. It, they they did it top notch, and 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 you know, it's just going to keep getting better. They're going to keep improving on it. There is. There is one – it does lose a little bit. And I was talking to everybody about this yesterday. Um, there was something very raw about being in that Ultimate Fighter gym. It was, you know, very uh, Spartan to say. The, you know, it was – there was something about it being so minimal that, that was cool, you know, and you lose that. You, you lose that intimate feeling, I guess. You lose that – man, in the tough gym, especially for Ultimate Fighter fights, um, because with – contender fights there's people cheering and stuff but when it's just like i mean it just it almost feels wrong it's it's weird man it's it's like are we supposed is this some illegal fight club is this even sanctioned you know and you don't have that feel in the apex because it's it's such a nice facility you know it was it was put there but um it's cool and 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 the thought of you know now we're gonna get third party type events in there you know i'm sure glory will make use of it i'm sure invicta will make use of it i'm sure you know cfsc I hope we'll make use of it, man. I'd love for them to come to town. I'd love to, to get on uh, one of their cards, you know, calling that. So I, I think we're going to see these organizations make use of the facility, and that's that's cool, you know, uh, especially since it's like 15 minutes from my house. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think it 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 lessens the the production costs for those companies um, and, and gives them an opportunity to be in, in that environment. So um, I dig the place. Like I said, it's a little different. Change is always a little little scary or what have you, and it does lose a little bit of that atmosphere, but it gains so many other things, including air conditioning, which which was phenomenal. Um, fights were decent. It wasn't uh, – if, if, if you watch Contender Series 17, it, it, it wasn't the greatest Contender Series event we've ever had, but it wasn't bad. Um, you know, the, the main event, Punaheli Soriano, uh, who does fight out of Extreme Couture, uh, was able to get the decision win over Jamie Pig. A hard-fought fight. Um, and, and, man, what a roller coaster of emotions for Puna, who was, you know, essentially in tears afterwards, um, thinking that he had, you know, screwed up by not getting the finish and lost his opportunity, but ended up getting the opportunity anyway. Got the UFC contract. Jamie Pickett, um, I thought fought well. You know, he's definitely the quicker fighter. He, he, he handled himself well in the cage. Uh, it just he couldn't get any real offense going. So tough, tough night for Jamie Pickett. Hannah Goldie picked up a decision win over Callie Robbins. You know, I, I understood why Dana didn't take Hannah Goldie just yet. I think, um, I think that she has the ability to be in the UFC. Um, it's just the way the fight played out. You know, her retreating at all times. I think cost her. I think had she uh, had she you know. At some point, I mean, it was working for her. Countering was working for her, so it was a smart game plan. But I think at some point, had she had she kind of stopped in her tracks and tried to go forward, um, it would have it, it, it she would have maybe netted a deal. Uh, I'll skip over Brendan uh, Lachtain for now. Uh, Jorgen De Castro, I was a little surprised he 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 got it. Um, it was an upset, number one. He was the biggest underdog on the card. He used a, a, a devastating leg kick uh, to, to ground Alton Meeks and then, and then some punches to secure the deal round one. Uh, but the truth is, heavyweight, uh, you're always looking for heavyweight fighters. You know what I mean? This, you're always looking for heavyweight fighters. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons Jorgen got in. Had it been the same performance, had you taken this same performance and put it in two, you know, two welterweight bodies or something like that, I, I don't think they get in. Um, uh, but you know, 
good for Jorgen, man. He was a good dude. He was smiling. He was saying, uh, you know, how great it was for his family. And, um, you know, he, he's here for a better life. So it was cool. Uh, all right. Brendan Lachnane. Uh I am surprised that Dana didn't take Brendan. I thought this was a very impressive performance. And um, I thought he fought his ass off. And I... I thought he deserved it, to be honest with you. I really thought he deserved it. Um, but Dana elected not to give him a USC contract. I don't have quite the outrage that I've seen a lot of people come out with. I mean, the Contender Series is not the if, – if it was the only way into the UFC and Dana was like, nah, then, yeah, I'd probably have an issue with it. You know, because, uh, you know, Dana made it clear it was – it basically boiled down to the fact that Brendan went for a takedown in the final 10 seconds. And I think it was even with like six seconds left or something. And, and Dana made it clear, listen, that was it. And, and I asked him post-fight, it was, it was seriously just the takedown? He's like, yep. 100% just a takedown. Um, you know, I, I think with the Contender Series, Dana is picking his guys. You know, it's, it's – or girls, obviously, but, you know, his fighters. Um, you know, and, the, and they're the ones that have his name on them. And they're like – it's like his project. And so, with that in mind, uh, he has the right to pick and choose as he sees fit. I, I, I'm a little surprised. Had it been, you know, John Morgan's Contender Series, yeah, I'm giving Brennan a contract. Um, but it's Dana White's prerogative not to. What I will say is that, and I think another reason I don't feel the outrage, and, and, and this is not uh, a conversation I've had with Sean Shelby or, or the matchmakers, um, but I have a feeling they pick him up. I, I, it just, the, the guy's record is impressive. He fought a, a stud here in, in Bill Algio and, and beat him, uh, and beat him convincingly. Uh, and, and I thought, you know, showed some spirit, showed some character. I, I, I think he showed everything you want to see out of a USC fighter. I, you know, I, I'm sure he's got to heal up a little bit right now. Uh, it wasn't an easy fight, um, but I think we'll see Brendan Lockdown in 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 the UFC. Um, and Dana said as much. He said, "Look, this guy's going to get there. He's a UFC caliber fighter, and he'll be in the UFC." Um, so it's not like he blackballed the guy. So I, I've been a little surprised at how much outrage there was. I think Brendan makes it to UFC, and I, I think relatively soon. I, I'd be surprised if. You know, maybe even his next fight just wasn't in the UFC. You know, if if they need somebody, they, they don't call him. Again, he's going to need some time to heal up. But, um, yeah, I was surprised the decision. I'll admit that. I, I, in fact, you know, even with, I mean, look, Puna, and I can tell you as somebody, you know, here in Las Vegas, somebody that's at Extreme Couture a lot, I mean, everybody around him had a feeling Puna was going to be in the UFC. And Puna came as a guy that um, – with high expectations. And, and, you know, I think Dana said it there. You know, he's just going with a gut instinct. He, he thinks the guy has it. And I think a lot of people that have watched him fight believe he has it. It wasn't his best night, um, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have it. So uh, I, I guess, you know, had it been John Morgan's contender series, I probably would have taken Puna too. He's got a ton of upside. Um, I might not have taken Jorgen, but I, I don't, you know, I don't have to worry about it you know, how many heavyweights I have on the roster. Not in John Morgan's contender series. Uh, so, I don't know, a little bit interesting. Definitely sets the tone for the rest of the year. People know. I mean, that's a that's a message sent. Unfortunately, at the cost of Brendan Lachnane, but that is a message sent to everybody else in the show. You know exactly what Dane is looking for. Uh, don't give him anything less. So, uh, anyway, we'll be out there next Tuesday, too. I've, I'm, I'm trying to book my travel. I think I'm not going to miss any of the contender series events. Uh, I, I will be gone for the weigh-ins next week because I've got to fly to L.A. Uh, next Monday, the, the entire main card of UFC 239 will actually be in L.A., so they're starting uh, the media um, a week early. Uh, so I'll be out there for uh, for that. Uh, but Cole Coffee will have the weigh-ins, and then I'm going to make it – I'll be back Monday night, so Tuesday we'll, we'll do the pre-show. Uh, all right, listen. 
enough about what's been going on. Let's talk about what's happening. Bellator is this weekend, um, and it, 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 to uh, to preview the card, I figured there was nothing better to do. You, you don't want to just hear me talking about it. You want to hear one of MMA Junkie's newest signings. I'm so, I've been so happy. A long time listeners know I'm a big fan of Simon Head. He's he's a good dude, and I'm happy he's finally on the team. Uh, so I thought it made sense. He's been on there all week in London to uh, to get him to come in and uh, and help preview this card. So uh, here is uh, my conversation with Simon Head from from a little bit earlier today. All right, happy to chat with a man that uh, long-time listeners of the show know needs little introduction, even no introduction, but I got to give you an introduction because it's changed. We are now talking to MMA Junkie's own Simon Head. How, do, how does that sound to you, sir? It's been a long time coming, my friend, but I'm, I'm really, really pleased to be part of the team and... Uh... Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's nice to be uh, it's nice to be part of the team rather than uh, just sort of sitting alongside as some sort of uh, interloper. <laughs> no question about it. You know, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, so I'm I'm, I'm happy. I mean, along with uh, along with Nolan King and Farah Hanoon, kind of bringing you guys all on at the same time, man. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm excited, man. Just seeing what we've all been able to do already. It's it's good times at MMA Junkie. No no disrespect to the departed, of course. We're happy for them and and their new opportunities, but. Uh, Man, I like this little crew we got now. Yeah, you brought in two young guns and one crusty old English guy. So <laughs> I've, I've got to try and keep up with these guys. But no, it's uh, it's it's great. And uh, as you say, sort of, uh, Farrar and um, and Nolan have both been been dropping loads of uh, loads of great exclusives up on the website and doing the business there. And uh, I'm over here with Abby grinding away working on uh, Bellator London, which has been uh, it's been quite. Pretty eventful today, I've got to say. All right, well, let's let's uh, let's start right there. Now, I don't want to disparage uh, Bellator by any stretch of the imagination, but not only are you covering Bellator London, you're also covering Bellator 223. You didn't know you were going to be covering two Bellator events in one weekend. It's kind of a a weird deal, right? I mean, it, they, I, they're splitting it up on the broadcast here in the United States, but my understanding they're also splitting it up on the broadcast in the UK too. It's a, I mean, I understand they've got contractual obligations to fill for TV. But it just feels like we're all kind of finding out about this last minute. It's it's a little bit confusing, is it not? It is. I mean, the USA Today bosses are getting two invoices as well, so you know <laughs> it, it seems fair enough, you know. But no, all, all joking aside, it is it's an interesting split, and uh, Bellator do things uh, in their own in their own Bellatorian way. And uh, what we have here is we've got the Bellator app uh, here in the UK. We have two broadcast partners, uh, Channel Five and Sky Sports, and they've basically chopped up the cards and sort of moved fights around here and there. And then that then bears some resemblance to what you guys have got in the States, but I think some of the cards going to be on delay. Some of it's going to be live on the on the Bellator app for you guys in, in America. So it's it, it's interesting, and, you know, you'd need some sort of uh, – well, you'd need a, a much higher level of education than I have in order to understand how all of this stuff works and why it works like this. Yeah, but, hey. You know, it sounds like they have to do it. Basically, I guess they've got you know they've got a number of European events they've got to fill for TV obligations. Then they've got DAZN, and so I guess this was more necessity than really choice. But it is weird. I mean, and and again, and I don't mean to to knock on them, but it'd be remiss not to talk about it. But here in the United States, like you said, some of the cards going to be on tape delay, and I just I don't know, man. I mean, with, with 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 us going to streaming, I mean immediacy is key in sports, right? I mean, uh, tape delayed live sporting events. I, I don't know, man. I just, 
I hope they change it. And I know it's it's not like we're coming up with new information. It's not like they haven't heard this. I mean, they I think they I think internally the people at Bellator feel the same way, but I just hope at some point we can get to, you know, live everywhere because I, I think that's what people want. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I don't have the zone. Obviously I'm here in the UK and we don't we don't get the zone. But what I don't understand as a complete layman is why can't DAZN run multiple streams? Yes. I don't understand this. Yep. Um, it, it, it would seem, coming from someone who hasn't got to go through the the incredible amount of legwork to set this stuff up, it wouldn't seem beyond the wit of man to say, okay, we've got more events here than we, we, you know, we normally would be able to show. Let's have an extra stream. Like in, in the UK here, um, the TV channels, the sports channels, we've got a plethora of sports channels. But if there's ever a situation where there's an extra event. They run it on the red button. So it's, it's like an extra digital only stream. Mm. You push the red button on your remote and it's shown on that. So oh, that's cool. surely, you know, I would, I would think that the zone have got the bandwidth to do this. Um, I don't quite understand why, why they wouldn't just because sport sport when it's not live, isn't, it isn't the same. It isn't the same. And even if, even if you have managed to avoid all the spoilers and, and, you know, you sit yourself down to watch the fights. Sure, you get to see the action and, you know, I'm sure you get to enjoy enjoy the fights the same as everybody else. But in the back of your mind, you know that what you're watching happened hours ago. Yeah. And, and, and even if you didn't know the result first off, there is still that, that little sort of nugget in the back of your mind that says, you know, even if you're willing on a fighter to win, it's almost redundant because they've won or lost already. Yep. So... It's an unfortunate thing, and I'm sure it's one of those things that, you know, the zone seems to be pretty, uh, pretty sharp in terms of what they've done so far. They've gone from, from standstill to an absolute behemoth in a very short space of time in terms of, in terms of sports rights and particularly with combat sport over there in America. So, you would imagine that within eight, eighteen months from now, twelve months from now, they'll have this sort of thing sorted and tape delay. Hopefully, for you guys, will be. Uh, will be a thing of the past. The good news for us guys over here is, you know, we're, it's celebration time for us Brits because we're getting this stuff on television. It used to be the case that whenever Bellator was on, it was like, oh, well, never mind, we can't watch it because it's not live. And we'd get the tape delay. But rather than get the tape delay the same day, we'd get it like a week later oh, or wow. two weeks later. Jeez. Yeah, that's what it used to be like. So um, I actually asked a question at the press conference today um, asking what went into the decisions with regards to which fighters went on which car, because I thought it was an absolute slam dunk that Fabian Edwards would be put on one of these live TV broadcasts because he's a star in the making and he's a finisher. Um, and he isn't going to be on either of the two live TV broadcasts here in the UK. <laughs> and I, I found that strange. So I asked Scott Coker and, and David Green that, and uh, they sort of looked at me as if to say, thanks, you know, we we <laughs> We've got we what what more do you want? We've got TV deals over here now, <laughs> and now you're pointing out you, that 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 we're not putting the right fights on the live television uh, deal that we've now got. And I sort of joked with Scott later on that I wasn't crapping on the card. I was just saying that you know he you've got a star here, and I'm I'm slightly surprised that they uh, they didn't shuffle things around to get him on one of those cards. But you know, it is what it is, and you know Bellator are doing some 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 good things in this part of the world. So. Sure. Uh, as as is always the case, it's a uh, it's always a 
it's always a, a path of development and growth. And I'm sure that subsequent events, you know, we'll get to see those big stars. And Fabian Edwards will be featuring pretty heavily, I would imagine. Yeah, no doubt. It is a good card. And, and uh, I mean, they've got a lot of good fights on here. We'll, we'll, t- we'll talk about the featured ones. But let's just start there since you mentioned Fabian Edwards. I mean, we've gotten to see a little bit of him over here. But I, I feel like the buzz over there uh, in the U.K. especially is incredibly high uh, for this kid. Of course, Leon Edwards' brother. Um, why is it that everybody's so so high on this guy? And do you feel like he's a can't can't miss kind of guy, or or is or is he going to have to be guided along the right way? I mean, what is it about this kid that has everybody so so excited? The thing with Fabian is he looks completely unflappable. Um, obviously, a lot of people who listen to this show will be very familiar with his brother's work. Leon Edwards has arguably been the most improved uh, fighter from the UK in the UFC. You know, he yep. he came in, I think he won, it was either his UFC debut or his second fight with a seven-second knockout in, uh, in, in Krakow against uh, Seth Brzezinski. And uh, he's gone on from there and he's developed his ground game and he's, he's worked his way up. And he's on the verge of, of, of doing something special at 170. Fabian Edwards has got similar skills, but what Fabian has that perhaps Leon hasn't had in his recent fights is Fabian is just a monster. He finishes people left and right. He's 7-0. and He's only been to the judges once. But you have to then weigh that against the opposition. He's still working his way up the ladder. Um, and he's, he's looked significantly better than everybody he's faced so far. So um, they're building him up slowly, I think. And um, I fully expect him to get another, another big win this weekend. And, uh, but he's someone to get excited about because he's training... Obviously, he's training alongside his brother, um, but I think he's been training alongside Tom Breeze as well. They're all in that same sort of team up there at Renegade, Renegade Jiu-Jitsu up there near Birmingham. And um, he's he's definitely one to look out for. And uh, I think his last fight, he knocked out he knocked out his opponent with up kicks. Yeah, that was or, crazy. It was one one of the most bizarre knockouts I think we've seen this year. And I asked him about that at the open workouts, and he had a good laugh about it. And uh, yeah, it's. He, he he's a very exciting prospect, and I'm I'm particularly looking forward to watching him fight this weekend. Yeah, I agree. They don't. I mean, as you said, it, it's about bringing him along. He's early in his career. They're not giving him the Aaron Pico route, and I think that's fine. I mean, you know, yes, you got to taste real competition at some point. Uh, they're bringing in a Frenchman here, and in, in Jonathan Bosuku, I believe is how you say his last name. I I haven't seen the guy fight before. I'll, I'll readily admit that. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think that's okay. I, I think this. You know, you can't do it forever, but there's no need to rush the guy. You know, now you know after last week people are talking about you know is Aaron Pico done forever or whatever and he's still still a kid you know so um, I, I think they're bringing him along well and um, it is it is impressive to see the hype so maybe this will be an opportunity for him to you know kind of get a little bit more uh, visibility here in the United States um, I, I want to ask you about James Gallagher as well you know you, you said the press conference you guys were at earlier today um, I, I guess when it came to the face-offs he kind of uh, became the center of attention, which he's uh, known to do from time to time. What's your what's your read on what happened today and, and, and James Gallagher as a whole? Because he's a guy that, you know, everybody was excited about. And then, of course, he had the setback, but he's, he's bounced back since then. And, um, you know, I think he catches a lot of heat because he is a, a little bit of a Conor McGregor clone. I mean, I don't know if that's by choice or just by the fact that they're in the same gym and he's he's seen the rise of Conor McGregor and why not copy it a little bit. But just just give me a read on James Gallagher as a whole. Yeah, I spoke, I've spoken to him a couple of times this week and the thing that really comes through when you actually meet the guy and speak to him in person is he is absolutely loving what he's doing. Yeah. He's, he's having the time of his life um, and 
he's just going with the flow. And, you know, he lost, he, he lost a couple of fights back, uh, Ricky Bendejas. And he's bounced back from that. And, you know, he's facing Jeremiah Labiano this weekend. And as you say, the press conference, things got a little bit, a little bit heated. Not so much between Gallagher and Labiano. You know, there was a bit of a back and forth there. You know, Gallagher's that kind of character. He likes to tell you uh, how he feels and tell you what he thinks he's going to do. Labiano responded in kind. It was all. It was all very nice. You know, gave us a little bit of um, a little bit of energy up there on the stage in what was generally a pretty pretty low key press conference. I've got to be honest. Um, but then someone from uh, Labiano's entourage um, started heckling Gallagher. Uh, I think it was uh, regarding the fact that I think this fight has been booked twice before and it's only happening now. Right. So, and I think, I think there was a little bit of that going on sort of saying, Oh, you ducked him twice or something. Um, couldn't quite hear from my, from my standpoint, but Gallagher, Gallagher then just turned his attention to, to the guy in, in, in the crowd and uh, started uh, letting him know in, in no uncertain terms that he should perhaps keep his opinions to himself and let his fighter, <laughs> let his fighter deal with things. Um, I've written it up, and the word expletive has been used quite a lot in the report. Um, but it 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 turned out uh, Gallagher thought he was it was one of his coaches. I know other reports have suggested it wasn't a coach. I actually reached out to Bellator officials about half hour forty five minutes ago to see if they could clear it up. And it sounds like it was a member of uh, Labiano's team, whether it was one of his coaches or one of his training partners. But it was someone from that from that entourage. So. Um, giving Gallagher a little bit of stick. Gallagher fired back. And we spoke to him afterwards. And interestingly, Gallagher said he has all the respect in the world for, for Jeremiah because he's the guy who's going to be getting in the cage on fight night and throwing down with him. You know, he's done all the hard work in the gym. Um, and uh, the coach has coached the guy. But at the end of the day, the coach isn't the one getting in there fighting or the teammate isn't going in there and fighting. So, um, he took issue with that and uh, he says, you know, if someone wants to tell me what they think to my face, then at least I can respect that, mm -hmm. that they're up front and, and bringing that to me. I don't have to agree with them, but uh, but yeah, the people, he sort of likened it to the bully in the playground or, or you know, the schoolyard who uh, gives it all the mouth. But when it when push comes to shove, they push the big friend forward to sort of... <laughs> sort things out for them so um all of that will be on a on a, on a video abby saban did a great job editing all that together um the incident itself the face off and uh the reaction we got from both guys afterwards um so that that i think is live on mma junkie now so uh people can check that out and uh and see for themselves but yeah gallagher rubs some people up the wrong way you know he loves what he's doing and he doesn't he doesn't give a stuff whether anybody else likes it or not but um he calls it the Jimmy Show, and he's turned it into the Jimmy Show this week. It's going to be interesting to see how that one pans out on fight night. I like it. Well, between Fabian and James, two two names you definitely want to keep an eye on. For, for, for sorting it out here, those are on Bellator 223. So if you're in the United States, uh, that'll be on tape delay on both Paramount and DAZN, I think 9 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. We'll have live results on MMA Junkie. I think uh, what we it's funny because we don't have to do – you know, we used to have to do tape delay stuff all the time because that was the reality of television. Now we don't do it that much anymore. But I think what we try to do is – uh, keep live results on the site, so if you want to follow on live, you can. But we try to keep the headlines and stuff spoiler-free so that we're not ruining it for you if you, if you don't want to. So uh, we will have live coverage. Of course, uh, Simon, you'll be there. And then you mentioned Abby Saban. He'll be there as well. So it's cool. Uh, we, got the, we got the nice on-site coverage over in Europe with you on board now, man. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. The, uh, the main event of, of what's being called Bellator 223, uh, Paul Daly, Eric Silva. Quickly, just give me a read on this. I mean, uh, 
Gosh, I, I, I mean, both these guys uh, have a penchant for exciting fights, not so much the last time out for Daly, but, um, I mean, both these guys have knockout power. They both have a, a, an impressive resume of fun fights. Both, I guess, I don't want to say a disappointment. It's, I mean, hard, it's hard to say somebody of Daly's stature is a disappointment. He's had a great career, but, you know, t- tends to come up short in the biggest moments. And, of course, Eric Silva at one point was tabbed that can't-miss prospect. And then, you know, he's had a good career. He's fun to watch, but n- n- didn't necessarily reach the heights uh, that I think some people thought he would. But putting them together in the cage seems like it should, should be a lot of fun. What's your, what's your vibe from these two guys this week? Yeah, I asked Paul Daly this afternoon. I said, is there any scenario that you can come up with that will involve the judges on Saturday? And he's like, no, no. He said, it's just, you know, they can, they can, they can take a pee break or, 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 you know, go visit the concession stand or something. I don't think they're going to be needed for that one. I mean, Eric Silva, um, he always comes forward aggressively. Um, and uh, it, sometimes, it sometimes happens to his detriment because um, he's, been, he's been starched a few times and... Um, I'm a little worried about his punch resistance coming into this one because Paul Daly is not a, uh, a pillow-fisted opponent by any stretch of the imagination. You know, this is going to be Daly's 60th professional fight, John. Wow. Can you That's 60 crazy, fights? Man. I mean, I was looking at Gegard Masasi's record and, you know, he's this is going to be his 54th fight. And I was thinking, wow, that's a guy who's been around a bit. 54 professional fights. That's impressive. Daly's going to be having his 60th fight. And, you know, he's been operating at a ridiculously high level for a large portion of that career. You know, he's, he's faced a who's who, really, of 170-pound fighters over yep. the years. Um, and given how his fight with uh, MVP went, um, I think this is this is arguably the perfect style matchup for him. Yeah. Speaking to Daly today, and I asked him about the MVP fight and said, you know, looking back at it, how do you assess it? He, he maintains he thinks he won that fight, that he did enough um, to shade it. And he also defended his game plan. He said that he fought the way that he believed he needed to fight to beat MVP. He said if he'd have just gone headlong at him, he, th- he said there's every chance I would have been knocked out. Hmm. Um, so he, he said I did what I thought I needed to do. It didn't make for the most exciting fight for the fans, um, but it didn't go my way and, you know, we, we, we move on sort of thing. And uh, it's interesting. He kind of told me that he'd drawn a line un, under the whole rivalry, but then in the next sentence sort of said, but if he wants to reignite the rivalry, I'm sure we can do it. So, <laughs> you know, the, the daily MVP thing may not be completely dead and buried, but I don't think it's for the immediate future. I think people need to forget the first fight first. And the Eric Silver fight might be the perfect way to do that. Um, it's an interesting position that Daly finds himself in because you've got the Bellator welterweight tournament that's been going on. We've almost got to the end of that now. We're at the final stages now. Uh, Daly was obviously involved in that and then obviously was eliminated. Um, the question is now, what happens next? Um, and uh, we spoke about that and I think he wants to fight Lorenz Larkin again. I think he promised him a rematch mm-hmm. uh, after their first fight. Larkin apparently was so upset with his performance and Daly said, look, I'll give you a rematch. So he wants to, he wants to, um, he wants to sort of honour that. But beyond that, he doesn't really know what's going to happen. I think he just wants to keep winning and maybe see if he can work his way back into the championship picture. But 60 fights, all he wants to do is just go in there and deliver a performance and add to that incredible highlight reel of knockouts that he's got as for silver he's had that patchy run of form you know he's won a couple he's lost a few some of them in uh, in pretty damaging fashion so he's looking to bounce back with a big a big name win and 
yeah, I can't see anything other than an absolute barn burner, and it might not go very long. I, I'd be surprised if it gets. If the over under was sort of in the middle of the second round, I'd be. I'd definitely be buying the under for this one. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny you said something there that I hadn't really thought about. I mean, with these tournaments, I think we all love these tournaments, but I guess the the unintended byproduct of it is that you take a lot of top contenders and hand them a loss, right? I mean, only one guy can yeah. get all the way through, and yeah, if you're kind of at the on the outside of that little group of people. You, you, at the end of it, if you're on a little win streak, you, you kind of look like a next contender. So that's, uh, I don't know, I guess kind of an unintended downside of, of the tournaments. But I, I still like it. I'm, I'm glad that Bellator does them because I, I think they make for intriguing storylines. Uh, Aaron Chalmers, is this guy for real? I, I, I mean, it's funny because I guess people in the United States, including me, have no idea who this guy is. But he, he is rather famous in terms of, like, social media, right? I mean, how – how well known is this guy, and is, and is he real? Because I keep hearing the name, and they keep putting him in big spots. I mean, he's on this this Bellator Europe three card. Again, this card is laid out kind of weird, so he's on the portion that's called Bellator Europe three, uh, which is going to stream for us on the app, and we'll have it on MMA Junkie as well. But he's you know just two fights under Musasi and Lovato. Is is he deserve to be there? Is this guy any good? And is, I mean, is this guy that famous, or is this? I guess he's four and one. He's not CM Punk, but I mean, tell, tell me about this guy. That's a lot of questions, John, and I'll be honest, I've forgotten <laughs> most of them. So let me let me let me try and let me try and give you some sort of like some sort of crash course in in uh, Aaron Chalmers. Aaron Chalmers found fame in an MTV reality show called Geordie Shore. Now I'm not going to go into immense detail describing the plot of Geordie Shore, but it's basically a group of people from the city of Newcastle in the northeast of England who live in a house and go out and get absolutely wasted on a nightly basis and get up to all sorts of scrapes. Um, it's, it is trash TV at its absolute <laughs> pinnacle. Um, and it's, it's, it's proper sort of, you know, you go out for a few beers, you come home, you don't really want to go to bed straight away. You flick through the channels and you just find crazy people on TV getting drunk and doing stupid stuff. That's Geordie Shaw, right? Yes. So I think you, I think you had Jersey Shaw. That's it. Jo- Geordie Shaw is like, Jersey Shore, but ramped up a bit. So, so, and he he was one of the main guys in that. Um, MTV obviously is a Viacom channel, so there is there is some sort of synergy ah, okay, there right. with Bellator and MTV. I so thought about that. There's there, there's that sort of uh, thing behind it, and uh, he started out fighting for Bama in the UK. Um, he, he's trained Muay Thai for a while and uh, was given offered the opportunity to fight. Everyone thought it was a publicity stunt. He's going to go in there, he's going to make a few quid, and he's probably going to get smashed. Turns out he can actually fight a bit. Um, he's not a world beater, and he's the first to admit that. But he's, you know, he's got some skills. He's not too bad. Um, absolutely no argument. He's way higher on the fight card than his, than his ability. Right. But, and he, he freely admits that himself. He was up there on the dais today. And he said, he said, I have to, I, you know, I'm walking around the hotel and I have to be careful not to be a fanboy because there's <laughs> Melvin Man, there's Melvin Manhoof there, there's Gagar Masasi there, there's Paul Daly there, and I'm fighting on the same card as these guys, and it's it's ridiculous. Um, he's got this reputation from the Geordie Shaw program, but you meet him and chat to him, he's the most down to earth guy you could ever wish to meet, okay. and. Uh, I've got a lot of time for him. He has absolutely zero ego, despite anything you might read or hear. He has zero ego whatsoever. He's a, he's a really nice, genuine guy. Um, and before his last fight, which was his first defeat, I think it was Corey Browning, um, he told me 
I am going to get beat one day and it's probably going to come quite soon and everyone's going to be out, out for me and all the rest of it. But this is just the way it's going to be. I'm a martial artist. I'm learning. I've been thrown in higher than I really should be. And I'm, I'm going to get beat at some point. Um, but I'm just, you know, and it, it happened in his hometown. So it couldn't have gone much worse for him in that respect. So the pressure's kind of off his shoulders a little bit. He's fighting Fred Freeman, who I'll be completely honest with you. All I know about him is his name and the fact he's two and two. I don't, <laughs> much else, I don't know that much else about him. Um, but it's a chance for Aaron to get back in the win column. He's fighting at 160 pounds. That's another thing. I'm not really sure what weight class he's fighting at these days. He fought at 155 last time and lost. But prior to that, he's been fighting at 170. But yeah, he's he's got some he's got some okay striking. I think he's picked up a couple of submissions in the past, and he was he wasn't doing bad in his last fight until he got a little bit overzealous and then got clipped. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this one goes. But yeah, he's don't don't buy into the fact that he doesn't completely deserve to be there at all you know comparing with the cm punk thing chalmers has actually got a fair bit more uh, martial arts training actually chalmers versus cm punk would be an interesting matchup to watch and i think chalmers would beat him hey let's put it together man i dig i like to hear the attitude i like to hear that he's you know and that's one thing i always liked about punk you know even though it turned out that his skills weren't there i mean his attitude about it was always good so uh, I kind of like to hear that about Chalmers as well. Uh, Koppen and Manhoff, obviously that should be a, a barn burner as well. But I want to talk to you about Musasi and uh, Rafael Lovato Jr. Musasi a big favorite and understandably so. Um, but, it, I mean, you could break down the fight. You know what Lovato's going to do. I mean, Musasi a more well-rounded fighter, but th- certainly the better striker. Lovato's submission game is incredible. Um, I'm sure this is probably the f- – First time you've been around Lovato Jr. in person. I, I could be wrong. I don't think he's fought over there before, but um, he's a big, strong dude. I've been around him a little bit too. I mean, he, the, the size and the strength of him is evident, um, and his grappling game is phenomenal. You know, we, we talk a lot about black belts and jiu-jitsu, but, I mean, he is a, a very powerful, uh, aggressive blend of grappling, and it's very, very good. Um, but this this is a tall, tall order. I mean, Gegard Mousasi is, is one of the absolute best in the world, and and and, and while he's, he'll definitely be the better striker, it's not like he has no no ground game to speak of as well. So what's what's been your take being around these guys? And, you know, I mean, do you rate Lovato as having much of a chance, or is this a, is this a foregone conclusion? Well, first thing, I hadn't met or spoken to uh, to Lovato until this week. I met him at the Open Workouts yesterday. I've spoken to him again today. Super classy guy. You know, I can't say can't say enough good things about him. Conducts himself the way you would expect a, a true martial artist to conduct himself, yeah. you know. Pure class from start to finish. Um, he's on familiar territory in London. I think this is, he said it's his fourth visit in the space of a year. He's competed in grappling tournaments a couple of times in some of his previous visits. Um, and when you look at the fight, and I, I spoke to both of them about this, you've got a well-rounded, experienced, seasoned, world championship-level martial artist, mixed martial artist, against a well, well, against a specialist, mm. but an elite, an elite level specialist. Yep. And you know, you you look at elite strikers, and you know, you talk about their knockout, you know, their knockout punch, or the, you know, they're able to knock people out with kicks. Rafael Lovato Jr.'s knockout punch is his grappling. If you get on the floor with him, you're toast. It's, it's game over. So um, for Gegard, obviously, the game plan is, is very simple, and that is keep the fight standing. Because if the fight is standing, it's, it's a, it, at least from what I've seen, it's a striking mismatch. If it goes to the floor, there's every chance it's a grappling mismatch as well. Okay. So it, it's going to be all about who controls, who controls what happens in that fight. And Musashi on paper has got, Obviously, a lot more tools to do that than than uh, than Lovato. So, 
Look, uh, Musashi did say one thing that slightly concerned me, actually. I, I did a phone interview with him last week, um, and I said to him, is there any scenario you can envision where it might be you submitting Lovato? And he said, well, if I hurt him and he gives me something, then, of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. And immediately I thought to myself, that's not a great idea because these, these, these elite-level grapplers, they do give you things. And it's quite deliberate when they do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that you know they set traps. It's all about setting traps. It's like being a chess player. You quite often you're you're already thinking three, four moves ahead of yourself. Um, and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be going anywhere near the ground with Rafael Lovato. As good as Gegard is, and he's got some he's got some serious submission skills of his own. But I think uh, Gegard is is pretty pretty clear that he wants to keep the fight standing and. You know, you've seen you've seen the footage of the open workouts yesterday, John, and you know you, you you've seen the the photos, and you might have heard the interview I did with Gegard. Gegard is fired up for this week. <laughs> let me tell let me tell you, ladies he is and gentlemen, never fired up for anything. This this man is amped. The open <laughs> workouts, the the open workouts. I am not lying. The open workout. He turned up on the. It's like Gegard cuts this kind of figure that he's as if he's been forcibly sort of told to get out of bed and go, <laughs> go to the open workouts and he sort of wanders up to the stage his longtime coach uh Bert Cops has got all of the gear on he's got the rash guard he's got the shorts he's got the kick pads the uh the mitts everything he's got everything there and he's carried it all over to the stage he's got it all ready they get up onto the stage and Musashi hits the pads for about 45 seconds and then waves his arms across and zip, across themselves to say i'm done and i thought okay maybe he's going to roll for a bit you know he's, he he, take, he takes off the he takes off the gloves i'm like okay he's going to roll for a bit or he's going to do some stretching or he's going to do shadow boxing or something you know then he put his shoes on i'm like oh no he's actually done he's actually finished <laughs> so it was a, I, I i didn't i didn't hit record on my footage until probably four or five seconds in so i missed most of it um, so, so yeah, I think, I think he, he must've worked out for a good 45, 50 seconds uh, before he came, before he came and spoke to us. And the last sentence of his first answer, bear in mind, this is the first media obligation of the week, um, was my first question where I basically said, you know, good work out there, gay guard. Um, how you feeling? Blah, 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 blah. And his, the last sentence of his first answer was, I just want to get this over with and go home. Oh, hello. I'm like. Thanks, Gegard. This, you know, we, I, I think I think we've uh, solved the event now. But yeah, no, he, that's him all over. You know, he's he's, uh, he's, he's laid back to be an understatement. He is so funny. I, I I said I think you took the quintessential picture of him, man. You know, after the workouts, everybody was posing so you could get a couple shots, and his is literally like shoulders slouched, like sigh on his face. It looks like I asked my kid to like you know take a picture for something. Like ah, I don't want to be here. It's it's phenomenal, yeah. but but doing it under protest. He uh, did invite me. He, the only time his face lit up was when I I asked him about um, his his title win. He he won the title at, at Wembley Arena where we're going to be this weekend. Right. He won it here at Bellator 200 last year, and I, I said, you know, I know you had a big you had a big party with your team and stuff in London last time. Are we, you know, is there going to be a repeat this time? And he just he then immediately said, "Are you coming?" I'm not sorry. <laughs> He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're invited. You can come." He got all excited about about going out for beers afterwards. But um, oh, he said, bring, who knew? "He said, he said, he said, you bring the booze." He said, "It's all good." So um, yeah, 
I don't I don't know if that's going to happen. I've got a very late late night taxi to get home, but but yeah. So that was about the only time you got really enthusiastic. When, I like uh, it. Who top, knew? When, a... uh, when a topic the topic of frosty beverages came up, he was he was in. He I was, was, he was say, right I guess I mean I've always liked Gegard overall, but I, now he might move up to the top of the list. The the, the road show hey, ready man. I, I dig it. Uh, all right. Well, Simon, I, I appreciate it, man. You spent a, a lot of time, man, and, I'll, and I know you still got work to do because you're in the middle of fight week coverage. But any anything else that's you know exciting you? I mean, there's a, obviously when it's a Bellator event, you know they're going to load it up with like 30, 40 fights, something like that. So, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a bunch to pick from, but are there any locals or uh, just any people or stories or just, I mean, any other fights that, that are sticking out to you that you're like, ah, this one's, this one's kind of got my interest. Yeah, there is, there is uh, on, on, on the prelims, I think it's going to be, I'm just checking the bout list. It's going to be on the, uh, on the delayed Paramount zone broadcast. Uh, the middleweight bout between Mike Shipman and Costello Van Steenis is, I think I think that could steal the show. That might well be the fight of the night. Um, two really hard-hitting middleweight contenders from Europe. Mike Shipman was the Bama champion, just knocking people out left and right. Costello Van Steenis is a protege of Gegard Mousasi. Um, Gegard's team is very close-knit. You know, it's not the sort of team where they have people come in and out. They have their close-knit team, and they tend to they tend to have a very tight circle. Van Steenis is part of that circle, and uh, he's eleven and one. Um, and he, he's a he's a hot prospect as well. Whoever wins that fight could well find themselves right up there in that in that middleweight division. Van Steenis actually spoke to me uh, for MMA Junkie last week and said that he's not interested in fighting for the title all the while. Gegard's got the belt. He doesn't want to fight Gegard, so he'll beat everybody else so that when Gegard jumps divisions or retires, he'll be in the right spot. But he's up against it in Mike Shipman, who can really bang. So look out for that one. Uh, what else have we got on the card? Uh, yeah. Where are we? Chris Bungard versus Charlie Leary. Uh, Bungard is a, a teammate of Paul Craig um, from uh, the Scottish Hit Squad, and he's a he's a very scrappy, all action fighter. And uh, no one was expecting him to beat Terry Brazier, who's a two weight Bama champion, who's also on the card, by the way. Um, but no one was expecting him to beat Terry Brazier when they fought uh, last time out. And Bungard sprung a shock and, and, and won the fight. So he's facing Charlie Leary, who's been around the British scene for a long time. Um, that'll be an interesting fight as well. And, uh, it, you know, it would be remiss of me to uh, to sort of be on here talking about this card without just saying the name Galore Buffando. Oh, I'm so happy you brought that up, man. I, I, you know, how he's, great is that? It's going to be, you know, he, he doesn't do boring fights. Um, and uh, he's fighting Kevin McCabe, who I think is a late replacement. I think Richard Kiley was due to face him. Yeah. Um, but Kevin McCabe is stepping in on short notice, uh, so credit to him. Uh, Buffando is like a walking video game character, the way he throws he throws his techniques in there. So so that'll be an interesting one as well. And uh, if I throw one more in there before I go, uh, Walter Gahadza versus Oliver Enkamp. Enkamp, uh, the last time I think I saw him in, was in the UFC, um, and he got spun around by... Um, by Danny Roberts, yep. a huge KO. Yep. Uh, but he he's considered to be uh, one of the one of the hottest rising prospects out of um, out of Scandinavia. So keep an eye on him. He's looking to bounce back. He's now under the Bellator banner. Gahads has been around the British um, around the British scene for a while. The sniper. Um, he's a finisher as well. And if he's on, um, he, he's capable of producing fireworks as well. So there's lots of fights up and down the card. You know, there's a bit of something for everyone. Denise Kielholtz is, a, is, uh, is fighting on the card. Yeah. Um, so, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's loads there. And, 
yeah, it depends. It depends what channel you're watching or what app you're looking at. But there's uh, there, there's something for everyone. It's gonna be it's gonna be a long night for us at Wembley, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a good night. I dig it, man. Well, you killed it. Yeah, it sucks for viewers that we have to bounce around and move around. But I agree. There's a lot of stuff here. This is, Bellator put together a good card, and so I, may, you know, like I said, I hate to be too critical of them. I know some of this is just television contracts and whatnot, but this is a, a really good card with a lot of interesting storylines. And you killed it, uh, as always. Thank you for the preview, my friend. And you uh, will be here. You're gonna be uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, what July first? You get in town, right? You'll be in town for, uh, for International Fight Week. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, having seen the, uh, the UFC's new Apex facility on Tuesday night, I'm looking forward to getting to that. I don't quite know what's going on with the Contender Series that week because I think it's a dark week. Yeah, they announced um, it going So dark, I don't quite know what's going on there. I'm bummed about that. We'll make sure we get a tour of it or something so you can see. I'm bummed, man. They did, I, I, I talked to him about this week, and for anybody that doesn't know, the Contender Series is going to be dark on Fight Week, which sucks because uh, Abby Subban's actually going to be over here as well. He's just having a vacation. He's not working, but I was excited for both of you guys to get to see that facility. Uh, but we'll, we'll make sure you guys still get a chance to see it while you're here because it uh, – it is impressive, but I'm bummed that you guys are going to miss. I guess the UFC just said there was just too much going on to try to deal with that, too. I disagree. I think we could have pulled it off, but, uh, yeah, not going not, not gonna to be fights, unfortunately. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be good to get over. It's been a while since I've been over. I think uh, International Fight Week last last year was the last time I was over. So, um, so yeah, that'll be good fun. There's always there's always uh, plenty going on at International Fight Week. I declared it to be cursed last year, so hopefully that curse has been lifted and we get a drama-free week. Uh, everybody stays fit, and uh, we have ourselves we have ourselves a, a spectacular night. Nope. Um, Was it UFC two thirty nine? Isn't it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Should be fun. All right, man. Well, listen for our Bellator coverage this weekend. Obviously, uh, at Simon Head on Twitter, or just keep it the MMA junkie because he's part of the squad now. That's how we roll. All right, big thanks to Simon Head, who I believe Cold Coffee is referring to as the Duke uh, in our in our company Slack chat. So uh, good for him. I, I'm happy to have Simon and, and looking forward to him being in Vegas. Uh, listen, if, if you like what you're hearing, and I say include Simon Head's uh, British uh, accent and expertise in your evaluation, but if you like what you're hearing, uh, make sure and do us a favor, man. Go into iTunes. Make sure you log in there. Just give us a rating. Give us a rating if you can. Five stars, please. We'd love it. Uh, if you can leave a review, that'd be great as well. I like the feedback. Uh, and those ratings and reviews actually feed the algorithm at iTunes and help people uh, find the show. It makes it show up more frequently in their searches and that sort of thing. So if you could do that, that would mean a lot to me. You could be like this guy. His name is I Listen to Things. He said, I give the guys five stars because they seem like good dudes. I don't listen much anymore. I honestly think the drinking brings the quality of the show down. We get it. You drink all the time. It rarely sounds like a professional journalist discovering the sport. Or discussing the sport, excuse me. That's probably the draw for a lot of people, just not my thing, I guess. Well, I. <laughs> well, first of all, I listen to things. Thank you for the five stars. I really do appreciate that. Hopefully, this is one of the episodes you do listen to. I will say, yes, we do enjoy the frosty beverages. I try not to spend too much time talking about frosty beverages, but I will say, when it's a latchkey brewing episode, we probably do spend a little bit more time talking about the frosty beverages at that point. But their Latchkey's frosty beverages is just so good, and they're so kind that they ship them out to us, uh, and, and they and they fuel the show. And so we probably do spend a little bit more time talking about frosty beverages on those days than others. So I apologize if those are the only shows you listen to. Give us another chance. But thanks for the five stars. I do appreciate that. And I do try not to sound exactly like a professional journalist. I am a professional journalist. That's all I do. 
But I, I mean, everybody's got the the buttoned up shows, right? That's not really, it's not really John Morgan style. I get it. Probably doesn't appeal for everybody, but I just like to have fun talking about the show. Anyway, appreciate the feedback nonetheless. Apologize we didn't go, but you gave us five stars, and that's what matters. So if anybody else can jump in and do the same, that would be fantastic. Now listen, I said uh, that it was that it was a, a, a busy day. Um, earlier today, I was at the, the USC Performance Institute. And they had a media day ahead of next week's card uh, out in, in Minnesota, which, by the way, Matt Erickson will be covering that event. Uh, but they uh, they had a, a media day of, of folks that are training in Vegas that are fighting at that card. So we had Francis Naganu there. We had Joseph Benavides there. And we had uh, Emily Whitmire as well. Um, Francis was great as always, man. He seems in good spirits. Uh, you know, says he's the best boxer in the heavyweight division, better than Junior Dos Santos. He's looking forward to this fight. Also said he doesn't believe uh, JDS uh, really has a real Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. So thought that was interesting and, and, and did say that, you know, he believes this is a number one contender fight. And, and I don't disagree with him. I mean, especially if DC walks away one way or the other uh, after the fight with Stipe, which we don't know that for a fact. But um, the winner of this is going to be in very, very good position, no question about it. Emily Whitmire was awesome as well. Um you know, she kind of she 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 had some revealing stuff. It's on uh, it's on YouTube if you want to talk if you want to check it out. But you know, she got a little bit emotional talking about kind of her development as a fighter and um, her development as a person and, and her mental approach to the game. And she talked about the fact that you know her mom is her mom is homeless, uh, schizophrenic, um, a, a, a meth addict, uh, or at least was. I, I believe she said she still is. I know she said she did it the whole time that she was a kid. Um, but, uh, you know, doesn't even know that she's in the USC, might not even know what the USC is. Um, and she talked about, you know, dealing with that and actually going and seeing her. Um, and, and the reason she was in the area up in Portland was um, she was there for Robert Follis's funeral. So um, it, it was, you know, she said it was an important moment for her and, and it was one that she needed to address because uh, she hadn't seen her mom in years and years and years. Um, and, and she actually ended up, you know, kind of, you know, thanking Robert Fallis for for starting her developmental journey, and then for uh, the and not to thank him, but you know, to to say that even his passing, he continued to give her gifts uh, by you know his funeral being up there and giving her this opportunity to to go seek out her mom. So, you know, heavy stuff there, heavy stuff there. She also talked about uh, some 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 great stuff on um, on why she's not incredibly uh, concerned with Amanda Rebus coming off of a USADA suspension just because uh, it was for Osterine and, and that's being found in supplement stuff. But she did say, you know, a lot of these people need to, 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 to handle their business when it comes to the supplement stuff, man. They're not, you know, they're not taking enough responsibility. And she's, I think she said all, basically all she uses is cannabis. So uh, anyway, I, I thought she had a great conversation. But what I wanted to share with you was Joseph Benavides. Joseph Benavides, you know, is, is, I mean, overall good dude, no question about it. And, uh, you know, he's in this weird position of of being a flyweight uh, when the flyweight division is still kind of up in the air. You know, Dana says it's sticking around, but at the same time, you got Henry Cejudo now that's hurt. Um, you know, all these things that Joseph has continued to go through. But, man, the guy has been on top for so long. And, and this was a scrum interview. And uh, to be honest, I only asked a couple questions in here. Um, Adam Hill, Scott Peterson, um, uh, of the Las Vegas Review Journal of MMA Weekly, uh, respectively, uh, both had quite a few questions in here. Um, and and I, 
just it, it got emotional, man. Joseph actually was kind of brought to tears at a little bit at one point, and I won't necessarily spoil that for you now as to what the subject was. Um, but I, I just I thought this conversation was so good, man. He he talks about so many um, important things that I think make sense in the life of a lot of fighters, man, and just really explain kind of what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, yes, he talks about um, you know the title situation and what's going on there, but. It's more of this personal stuff that I found to be incredibly intriguing and revealing and, and, and I thought you might want to hear it. So uh, this is uh, a conversation that the, the Las Vegas media had with Joseph Benavides earlier today. Joseph, so I guess we have to Hello. start with you where we always start with you, and that's the state of the flyweight okay. division, right? You know, I mean, we always talk to you about it, but I know you follow follow the news. I mean, yeah. Did you see Dana's comments the other day where it sounds like he said, I, I promise it's sticking around. What did what, you make of him? That was good. It was good just to get some uh – some kind of answer or thought, you know, that was going on about it. So, you know, they never said it was cut, but it looked like it was so everyone could see evidence. But to come out and say that was great. Even months before that, they said this next fight with Formiga would be a number one contender fight. So it's kind of like it's weird to have a number one contender fight in a vision they don't plan sticking around. And then since then, they've been making fights, you know, with, with different guys, guys that lost, guys that won. Um, just, I guess, whoever's left since there's only a few of us last of the flyweights right now. But um, I think it's just building back up now. Number one contender, saying it's staying around. All good signs. So for me, business as usual. I have a fight in front of me. Worry about that and, um, you know, handle things as they come. What is the state? I mean, we know that it's staying around, but Henry now is at 135 and now he's talking about 145 and now he's hurt. Like, what is the state of the That state? guy's. What's the state of him is the question. Who knows? But, you know, he's kind of all over the place with that. But at the end of the day, he's a 125-pound champion. You know, he fought at 35 last. I think it would make sense to fight at 25 again. Um, I'm the only person um, of the contenders that he could fight. I'm the only one with history of him. Um, not only that, a win over him. So you figure he'd want to do that. The company would want to do that. Um, no offense to anyone that he called out or anyone, you know, that was a number one contender um, that made themselves number one contenders that night. Um, I just make the most sense with Henry. You know, we have a history, ultimate fighter, um, an amazing one of the best fights of the year. And his last loss is me. So, yeah, it makes sense to do that next. Obviously, always looking to the future, but uh, in the present, got to get past Farmiga. That's why you don't hear me raving and ranting about it because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I have a tough fight in front of me and a guy that actually lost the split decision to Cejudo in a close fight and has improved since then. So his two best contenders are at flyweight, honestly, um, a split decision loss and someone that beat him. So uh, this is a big fight for the division. And I think the rightful contender uh, um, comes out of this fight, the winner. Sorry to make you harp on it, though, but when you're watching him, he wins at 135. He's the champion in your weight class, and then he starts calling out like retired guys. <laughs> it was like, wild. What, what are you thinking? <laughs> Nothing surprises me from that guy anymore. It's just great to watch from a distance, you know. Um, it's fun. It's always something interesting to be said. It's always something also, though, that in a way brings attention. There's always some kind of sound bite or some kind of meme or picture or something that that all attention, you know, at this point in our division, and actually now the the, the two lightest divisions, you know, if you could just um, compound them together at flyweight and bantamweight, um, I think a lot's being done, a lot's being said, there's a lot of movement, a lot of talk, regardless, you know, of, of how it's happening. So 
you know, I think anybody in the media and fans know what he's doing. You know, he's calling out the biggest names and, you know, people that make sense, but or that don't make sense, but uh, they just don't make sense right now. Like those are big names and great fights potentially, but in the state of the two divisions right now, like I said, there's no question that I'm the best fight for him. With Cejudo hurt uh, out for the rest of the year, and of course, Demetrius gone from the division. Do you think uh, the rest of the years, and, and now that we know the flyweight division is going to stick around, do you think uh, the rest of the year is an opportunity for fighters like yourself, other flyweights, to establish themselves as the face of the division and his absence? Yeah, I think so. Just to continue to, just to continue to make faces, um, you know, potential stars and, you know, people that that you look forward to seeing fighting you know i think they're making a lot of of good um fights now that are on the docket already you know matched up pantoja figueredo you know i think uh matt Schnell danger like he's always like a good face that people are going to realize and you know even if they brought some guys back that were cut i think would be great now that you know things are a little more certain but yeah it's definitely it's definitely uh, an opportunity to do that because there's not going to be probably a title fight before the end of the year um, to really, um, you know, bring bring the attention. So, yeah, everybody else does what every fighter in our division or not does is they try to fight for a name for themselves every day, fight off the prelims, you know, fight towards main events, fight towards, you know, people caring about them. Going back to the first Formiga fight, you, you finished that fight in the first round, but did you get, were you in there long enough to get the read on him that you anticipated or the second time around, are there other scenarios maybe you you anticipate that you didn't get a clear read on in the first the first fight? Yeah, of course, it's, it's kind of hard. I mean, obviously you're always happy. Like the preparation is there and you're always happy to go in and finish a guy in two minutes, especially a top guy like Formiga and not have to battle with him. But those are also the guys you're like, well, I don't need to fight him again. You know, the the odds are you're not going to knock him out in two minutes again. So, but I look forward to that in a way of like, now I get to just show some more things. So yeah, I didn't get to see everything by any means, but you know, it's, it's nice to me. I didn't, I don't feel like I got lucky with it. I feel like, all right, if you look at the fight with stand-up and I knocked him out, we didn't grapple. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I'd love to out-grapple him. You know, I know that I can. You know, I think that's his best thing, and I think I'd beat him in, in a grappling match as well. So um, you got to expect there's going to be some um, some adjustments and a lot of things we didn't see in the first fight because the first fight was two minutes on the feet. So funny enough about that fight, I just found out it was six years ago. I just was telling everybody I beat him two years ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how our brains work <laughs> in the sport. Like, everything was just the other day or whatever. And then uh, I was telling guys, yeah, I knocked him out like two years ago. Cause like, it's, it's a weird thing. You just, time flies, you know? I don't know when the first flyweight even fight started. Like when the division came, I don't know what year that was. But uh, yeah, someone was telling me that. And then <laughs> someone was like, yeah, you guys, exactly. And then someone was like, yes, yeah, so you guys fought six years ago. And I was like, what? Oh, I told everyone two years ago. It's a big difference. But yeah, so there's there's going to be, I think, a lot. It's a whole different fight. He's at different camps. He's gotten better. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we've done what we've done in the past in our careers um, for a reason. You know, like I've been at the top, you know, he's had a hard time getting there. And, you know, I don't think it's anything you know, really against him is just different, you know, skill sets that, you know, you have to have at the top. Along those same lines, as far as the timeline, you've had such a long career as, as you know, an established, you know, kind of star in sport. Like, has it felt like a long career? Or does it feel like, you know, you just started? Man, it's weird. Like, it feels like it when you talk about it, 
because there's so much to like talk about honestly and look back at it like i just did a podcast the other day and we started at the beginning and i was like man this has been crazy and like you sometimes get younger guys talking to you like you used to talk to uh, older guys so then i'm kind of like then i kind of look back on it um in the moment the action like i said like i thought i fought the guy two years ago so it doesn't seem like a lot like six years ago so that 10 years doesn't seem like 10 years it seems like five or whatever like it was just yesterday you know i was walking in to wherever i was you know wc or faber's gym or meeting this person or that person and you know and now we're just here so you know but just try to stay grateful and appreciative of it every day and every day i get to do it you know it's just a nice time so i think that's why it flies by because i just look at every day and it's just a new day and it's nice like even when i come in here today it's just like oh this is cool um get to come in this cool place talk to you guys and like work out after do what i like you know joe can we talk about that a little more when you and i first spoke you had recently relocated to las vegas yeah tell me how your life has changed being in a new city with a new team yeah just different um once again like in this sport everything is so individual that i don't think anything is better it's all about for the individual like you can't say this is better that's better like whatever is better for the person is good um i've been coming back and forth to vegas for nine years you know um i started training a long time ago with sean Tompkins. you know i passed through robert fallis um, I hate to be like morbid, but that's two dead coaches, <laughs> you know, I've passed through in nine years. So I've been in Vegas for a long time, meeting people, making things. And I made my life here. My wife has lived here since we met. So I was always coming back and forth. Even if I was training in SAC, I was visiting here, training, training, but like got to go do my training, training in SAC. So about five years ago, made the change and uh, I couldn't be happier. The great thing about Vegas, um, just talking on the training level, like you say, the new team is, is it's new for me, it's different. I've been so used to like a super team at Alpha Mel and everything kind of spread out, a little more camaraderie and everything here with the PI involved. And you obviously have a home base, like for me is Extreme Couture, but I can kind of make my own schedule. I'm at the point, you know, with this place and establishing my career where I can get my coach and we can train here. I can get three partners and we can train here. So it's nice because it's a little bit more on my terms. I don't have to say like, who's our coach? Like I probably used, I had to used to at Alpha Mel is like, who's our coach, but also like what time is the practice? You know, who's train, who's running it? Like I can kind of run all my own schedule. This place, UFCPI has honestly been a blessing. Um, the coaches I've met have been a blessing, um, all the people. So. Like I said, it's just one of those things. I think Alpha Mel is one of the greatest teams ever, but at a certain point when you do something, you know, 10 years, 11 years, something new is is better. You know what I mean? So that's really what it comes to here. And then this is where my family life is as well. You know, with my wife, that's where this is where we made a home, got married, got engaged, um, all that. So, and like I said, to, to square it down, like just the more I was in Vegas, the more I wanted to stay. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to stay there. It's great. <laughs> do, do you feel pressure at all, like, going to this fight? It's too long, like, you, against him, you know, with a knockout before, to go there and put your mark, especially because you have just not that many people right now fly away. And also, Sehudo was saying that he might not come back to defend his title. I don't know if he won at 
Yeah, and you know what? The pressure doesn't lie in those things, in the win again, and the Cejudo stuff, like the, um, the external things. The pressure never lies in that stuff for me. Like, those are bonuses when I win and, and you know, make people proud. But going in, the pressure is more internal. Like, I'm trying to do my best here, so I obviously want to succeed, you know? And that's really all it comes down to, is going out there and fighting and performing like you can. And there's other motivations and everything, um but it's not really those external like they're positive you know the the pressure is really you know it's a bonus when 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 you when you like hush it or you you know um you perform and everything but you don't think about i don't think about that stuff going in i think about kind of the fight in front of me and uh there's pressure every fight that i put on myself you know and succeeding you know chasing the title you know chasing everything i do and just trying to be the best at what i can do like that's the pressure I put on myself. I don't I don't feel pressure from other people. I feel more like inspiration from them, if that makes sense. Like like I, I get I get happier and more motivated to like make people proud than I do in like, oh my God, I better these guys think I'm gonna do this, you know, and I need so I need to do it. Like I don't I don't succumb to pressure like that. Like even peer pressure, like that's not my thing. Like people can't make fun of me or like peer pressure me to do anything because I just like, it doesn't bother me. You know, I'm just comfortable with, with kind of whatever I am and whatever happens. It's along, sorry, it's along those same lines, but like you've basically been the number one contender like since the division started. So how, how have you been able to maintain focus and like not let somebody pass you and not have a, a letdown at some point? Yeah. Like every single fight somebody's gunning for you, not quite at the, at the, ch the champion, but like you're at that level. Every yeah. I'd actually like to say I've been a number one contender in two divisions for probably like eight years two. in two different two. divisions and been, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so that's just, that's just me, you know, bragging a little bit, <laughs> but that, but going back again and thinking about like how long stuff has been, like I was a number one contender at 35, even when the UFC and WC got combined and then became the number one contender at another weight class. And that was eight years ago. And I haven't dropped out of that one to two spot ever. So the question is, how does it feel with the guys like gunning at me like that? Like, yeah, I mean, like you're, like you, every fight is like, okay, this is the fight to be to fight for a title almost. Like, yeah. You don't let somebody pass you up. Like you still are able to maintain the focus of being there. You know what? It just comes, I think, from preparation is, is nothing changes for me from what I've been doing. Like I got to go in the gym every day and like the things that make those fights look like that, like it's easy to say, oh, well, we fought this time, fought this time, you know, got past that guy, got past that guy, but that honestly, the only reason that happens is because what I do every day for eight years, for nine years, um, the fights, you know, tell the tell of, of what I've been doing. But literally every day, a Wednesday, you know, I got to go in and I'm not trying to get through practice. Like I'm trying to win every single position every day. And it just comes from that, that preparation that you do every day. So I think that's why I've been able to do it. Like I think about that every day. Like I go into practice and I don't feel like practicing, but I'm like, if I'm not winning every round against a guy not in the UFC or, you know, an amateur or something, like how am I gonna beat, you know, the number one contender guy that's gunning after me? And it's just been a consistent, like long time like that. Like driving to practice and just knowing like, you know, you gotta do this, you gotta be ready to do it. And 
So then when push comes to shove in there, I think um, that's why I've been able to succeed so long. It's clear that you're not looking past this fight at all, but I mean, if you win, do you feel like an interim title's in order? I mean, we don't, we don't know what's happening with Henry. You know, his injury, his, you know, what division is going on. Do you feel like an interim title would make sense, especially if you are trying to reestablish the flyweight division? Yeah, it would be weird as far is I think in any other division, they'd probably throw it right out there once the champ was injured, once he was kind of stuck up. But with the with our division and how small it is, you know, like there's one title fight to make, me and Cejudo. So there's not really, I feel, an interim. Like if it would be, it'd be me and Formiga who are already fighting now. So after that, I mean, I don't know who the interim title would be with. Um, it kind of makes sense. You know, if, the, if he's not going to come back and the division's sticking around, it should be a vacant or an interim. But this is the matchup that I feel would be an interim. So maybe it's just weird timing, you know, that he just won the title and he's injured. And this is already set how it is. So, you know, I think um, if this was to happen six months down, you know, then it would probably be in order. So I don't see another person in the division right now that an interim title would make would make sense with, honestly. When you talk about trying to win like every position, every practice, every day. Like, how do you avoid that becoming like mentally just draining and exhausting to, to, to be that sharp and that focus all the time? No, it is. I mean, fighting <laughs> is mentally and physically exhausting. So that's really what it comes down to. But you have to be willing to go through that as well, you know, on an everyday basis to perform like that in the cage. So, yeah, it's a crazy thing. I think about that all the time. And I just think about the fights, but I'm just like, no, and you know what's hard is like the Wednesday where I'm just like, oh, I don't want to leave my house. Like my dog's on my lap and like me and my wife are talking and like watching TV. But I'm like, got to go fight this dude or this other, you know, five other guys. So, yeah, I mean, it is it is mentally and physically exhausting. Like there's no really way around that. But just about managing it with, I think, a positive attitude, good home life um, for sure. Um so there's that, but also I think just liking what you're doing, like knowing that's just kind of the process. I think some people can do that. And you hear people say like, you never see me saying like, oh, this is a grind every day and rise and grind hashtag because I, because <laughs> I, I'm not rising and grinding. Like I go to, I go to practice with a smile because I'm like, I get to do this. You know, like I think about single moms or something that are like really grinding, like they made a lunch and put their kids to school and now they're going to freaking work at a job as a cashier and deal with rude people that they don't like like i kind of think of that so you never see me like saying stuff like that because it's like i get to wake up and like have fun and like do something i like that challenges me every day so yeah that's um i forgot what the question was <laughs> but you know what i mean how important is it to have that goal of the belt? Oh, but that's how it doesn't take me out. That's, that's, sorry, that's how it doesn't take me out because I just keep a positive, like, um, I keep a positive think and it keeps me, in, it, it always puts me in perspective to live in the, like, moment of what's happening. You know what I mean? Even right now, even though, like, we've done this a million times, just to think, like, oh, I'm still doing this. This is good. You know, keep it going. I got to train after this. You know, just take every second like that and, and stay um, just like appreciative of, of, of the moments and while I can still do this. What do you think about your eye coming back? Sorry. No, I think, I think it's great. It's great. It's fun. The guy's a competitor at heart. Um, he's 40. He just had a kid, so he's just inspired. And 
to be honest, the guy was performing in his last fight. He didn't lose. So he was still performing. So I'm sure he's been trained after that, got the bug. He just did a grappling match against like a 17-year-old phenom. So he's the California kid for a reason, even though he's 40 years old. <laughs> he's still a kid, you know. So he's, uh, I think he's ready to rock. He's, he's active like the guy. That's what he does. He trains, I'm sure, every day, even though I'm not there, competing with everybody. And to the point of, you know, he's taking it because he is looking to win. We are going Sorry. to... Sorry. Oh, I, yeah, how sorry. important is it for the to have that goal of, of the belt? Where <coughs> if if you didn't have that, would it be much harder to keep that level of motivation going? No, honestly, it used to be like that. The belt was such like a destination, um, you know, and it wasn't really about the journey. Like it was just this one like magical thing that was going to make everything better, um, and obviously it will. Like that's always the goal. But it's 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 just it's just a different change. Like it just means different things, you know. Like the belt used to mean like I was the best and I did this, and it was more just like it was me, me, me kind of thing. Um, like I would look at the belt while I was running, a picture of it. It was this like mythical thing. But now it's like I've competed with the best. I've done this. Like the best thing about winning the belt would be like celebrating with my wife backstage, you know. Um, so like that is that's what motivates me now is like that would be you know what i mean like i used to just be like i'd have a belt i'd be the best what am i gonna do put on my mantle or something but now when i think about winning i think about like all the people that would make happy and like those instances and and like you know just like going through everything and then achieving it you know so I'm sorry. That was weird. <laughs> it's a long journey. Yeah, the journey and like the people that sacrifice for you, like now that's what it means to me. And there was still people that sacrificed me even back then. But all I could think about was myself and the belt and like I would be the best, right? I would be known as the best guy. And uh, so it was like it was such an object and a destination I couldn't control. You know, now it's about the journey and it's like the thing that motivates me about that is because Oh, it's gonna make everybody else, you know, happy and stuff like that. And obviously, there is that part still deep down, like it's gonna be a great achievement of self worth and hard work and all the stuff you hear. I think everybody else say why they want to win the belt, you know, the legacy and all that. Like that is always gonna be a part of why you want to do it. But like the motivations just change for it, you know. I don't like look at a belt anymore. I look at like, oh, it's gonna make her so happy, you know, and obviously I'm going to feel really good about it too. And even people that have supported me, you know, in the past, you know, family, my mom, you know, like stuff like that. I, I think about that. So it's, it's not like a selfish thing anymore. It's more just like, so it's kind of weird. The belt isn't like my driving force. Like it's kind of like the nucleus of it, but like the other things surround it so much that like, those are really the motivations. And then like, you're always trying to be the best anyway, you know, and you can't really control it even if you win and lose. Like, you can't control that stuff. Like, you just control, like I said, coming in every day, being appreciative, having gratitude, trying your hardest every day. And then it's like, if you're good enough to win the belt, you are. If you're good enough to win that fight, you are. If the right blow lands for them or you, you know, it happens. So that's all you can really control. So that's what I control every day.
All right, that was Joseph Benavides, and uh, man, I, I I always love the fact that Joseph keeps it real, man. He he just addresses things head on, and I thought he did it here. Um, after the cameras were off, I could tell you he, he he was a little bit embarrassed, and you know I didn't even notice that his wife was actually in the room with us. She had come in, I guess, shortly after him, and she so she was sitting there, and I'm sure that. Uh, contributed to why he got so emotional as he was talking about it. But, uh, you know, he was kind of not embarrassed, but I think he was like, damn it, now you guys are going to put out clips of, of me crying. And we were like, well, I mean, yeah, it's, but it's, but I, I just, I, I thought it was powerful. And I thought what he said is so true. And, you know, we kind of talked, we kind of continued the conversation afterwards. And I just, I really think that encapsulates what happens with a lot of fighters um, and, and, and the kind of the journey they go on is that you start out on this path and you're like, oh, I'm going to be the best in the world, you know, and then, you know, maybe you are, maybe you aren't, whatever. But this is this sport is a grind, man. Mentally, physically, what it takes to succeed at the highest level, what you put your body through, what you put your mind through, it is tough. And you know, some people are may have that that single motivation to be in the best in the world or, or what have you. Um, but I think at some point, for a lot of people, it becomes about the people around you. You know, it becomes about seeing these people who believe in you and who support you and who, uh, you know, who sacrifice along with you to help you chase your dream. And, and you want to win for them. You know, you want them to, to share in that glory too. It's not just about putting the belt around your waist. You know, it's about everybody's efforts being rewarded. And uh, I don't know, I, I just, I thought it was powerful, you know, the way he talked about it. And so um, I thought that was cool that, that he shared that moment with us. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, intriguing too, uh, you know, saying, you know, he doesn't really see an, an idea for an interim title. He just doesn't see what the fight would be. And, um, yeah, you know what, man, I kind of agree with them. I mean, I, I can respect the hell out of that honesty too. You know, if there was going to be an interim title fight, it would probably be this fight with Juice Formiga. Um, and 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 this it, it was booked too early, so that's just that's just not going to happen. You know, um, I, I, it's a tough spot for Benavides to be in. You know, the good thing about it is if if the UFC and and I've said this before, but yes, the UFC it looked like they were letting the flyweight division die. If they want to, I mean, they could bring on ten flyweights in a, in a day. So. Um, you know, they can help start building the division back up if indeed they are going to truly invest in it. Um, I will say when, when Dana said that and gave us some clarity in Chicago, I, I believed them. I believed them, but I, I still don't know how aggressive they're going to be and how big they build the division. Maybe they're saying, look, we're still going to have 25 fights, but um, I, I don't know. I, 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 until I see them kind of re-sign some of the guys, th then I'll have a better feel for, for how much they're really invested in the in the future. So, uh, Anyway, I just thought it was a great conversation with Joseph Benavides. If you want to see the video of it, uh, it'll be on MMA Junkie. It'll be on YouTube. Um, and then, of course, the other conversations there as well. So, uh, Okay, now it's time. I know you've been, you're like, John, I, I appreciate you, but you know why I'm here. And it's not for you. It's for cold coffee. I'm here to, to listen to what cold coffee has to say. I want to hear about BKFC. And uh, you're making me, you know, you're making me deal with you. And so I will apologize now. I will, I will thank you for waiting, and I will turn it over to Mr. Cole Coffee. Well, thank you, John. Of course, everybody wants to tune into what's going on here in the in the life, the day in the life of Cold Coffee, the man, the myth, the not so quite legend. But it's not just me. I'm also joined by one regular guest now, pining for my spot. Pining for the co-host, longing to poison my coffee, one Oscar Willis. Thank you very much for having me, Kenny. And if you want to just drink that thing that I just gave you, that'd be fine. <laughs> this random drink that came out of nowhere. Ignore the bubbles. 
<laughs> well, speaking of drink, uh, you know, it would be uh, wrong of us to not have a drink. I, I bet Morgan wasn't drinking, so because uh, he's uh, he's switched and he only drinks tea and iced water now. For sure. For sure. He's on detox. Uh, he's, he's detoxing his liver while we are toxing our livers with these nice cold uh, Miller lights. Mm-hmm. You know, so. We have to keep the hashtag frosty beverages going. Um, but uh, thank you all for joining us here uh, quickly. Uh, we are in Tampa here to cover the, the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 6 between uh, the headliners Pauli Malinaji and um, Oscar's favorite best BFF, <laughs> Artem Lobov. <laughs> um, you did. You, well, well did, my interview certainly didn't take place in his, in his room. Did did your interview take place in his room? Listen, sometimes you just have to grab these fighters where and when they're available, and Artem was available at that time, so that's where I interviewed him. Oh, really? He, he wasn't he available as well with the rest of us when we were scrimming? Well, look, some of us have uploads to do, Kenny. I mean, you don't want to pull back the curtain too much, but we've all got different jobs at different times. <laughs> well, um, well, first, uh, let's, well, let's talk about today. So today took place. We, uh, the, the press conference was in a Harley-Davidson. Um, the UFC has actually done some Harley Davidson. Uh, there was an event. I can't remember the name of John was around. He would say it, but there was an event. I want to say it was maybe a Cody Garbrandt fight. It was in a Harley Davidson dealership right off of the strip. So today was the, my second uh, fight event happening in a Harley Davidson. So thank you, Harley Davidson. Actually, I take that back because the UFC did big fucking thing in Milwaukee, a bunch of stuff at the Harley Davidson. So I guess good on Harley Davidson for staying involved in uh, combat sports because Nothing says combat sports like I'm gonna ride this fucking bike <laughs> right over your asshole. Wasn't it the, the only bike tough enough to be in the octagon or whatever? Bruce something along like that. Something like that. Yeah. Was that your Bruce impression? No. Do it again. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on. You're saying. So no. So yeah, that was cool. So we're at the the Harley Davidson Harley Davidson dealership here in uh, Tampa, and uh, it was cool. It was a good turnout. I mean, there was uh, a decent amount of media. There was a decent amount of poly, um, what do you call them, nut huggers? Uh, what's, <laughs> what's, the, what's the other word? Entourage. That's the word, yeah. The French version. Yeah, the French yes, the French word. entourage. Yeah. But no, he had a decent entourage. Um, mm. But there was a decent amount of media there came as well. Came in a limousine as well, in case anyone Did he really? I didn't see that. They came in a limousine in Tampa, Florida. They came in a limousine. Like a, what, like a black stretched out limousine? Was That's it like, correct, yes. Was it like a old school limousine, or was it like the new? Nowadays, you get like the stretch, like like weird truck limousines. I mean, but what kind of limousine was it? You know those limousines you see kids getting out of at the prom, at the and, prom? You, and you that see one? them and you think, "Oh, you think that's cool?" Yeah, it's one of those. Oh, so it was like the old school limousine. Yeah, those are kind of cool though. Did it have they? the sunroof? Did he did he come riding in through the sunroof, standing I'll be honest, out? I, like- didn't, I didn't see him coming through the sunroof. I just saw a limousine pull up, and I went. Oh, Paulie's here because no one else would no have shown up in a limousine. Would have been really cool if he was standing through the sunroof, though. Would it? I, I would have gave him props. Okay. <laughs> and be like, Bruh. And then we all would have broke into dance and well, song. To be, like, to be, right fa- to be fair, way back when, when Fury boxed Wilder, he actually came in through the sunroof of his car, and I thought that was cool then. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it would have been cool. That's because he's a giant man and he can't he fit. Very he was man. probably sitting down and still <laughs> poked through the sunroof. Very true. Um well, let's talk a little bit about it. Um, I know both of us have, have shared our stories in the past that oftentimes covering boxing events, um, 
the media and the interactions kind of be crazy. But let's be let's be honest too. This this is not a typical boxing event either. But there was a lot of boxing media that typically has been covering these or just covering Pauly. But what were your thoughts and feelings of just the overall atmosphere today as opposed to some of the other events? Because you recently covered the Tyson Fury uh, fight in, in Vegas. But kind of give me your thoughts of how the feel was different today than what you just recently experienced. Well, well funny enough, it's, it's actually interesting because it, it wasn't quite boxing. Where And for the listeners who don't know, uh, boxing media events are generally just incredibly chaotic it's usually who grabs who first who gets the interview first and and the ufc or mixed martial arts is far more structured everyone gets a go but everyone which gets- is crazy i bet nobody would realize that that's you're talking about you know revealing the pulling the curtain back yeah working at a ufc or, or covering a ufc event the ufc is very structured in you know where you interview the fighters you know how the things go the fighter comes into the press room at certain time this happens this happens yeah and it's frowned upon to grab them outside of that right because you're screwing everybody else yeah but boxing's always kind of been this just free for all like i grab them i'm gonna grab them where i can everybody mushes around them and and they just do and and it's absolute madness well when you covered one and then you go cover the other it's very hard to sort of not see sort of the flaws in the system as it were but so for example like uh, and we're getting mildly off tangent but one of the biggest flaws i've seen about covering boxing is they'll let people talk for as long as they want at the detriment of the people waiting in line so say they'll let the first six people do 15 minutes and then the last three get five minutes or nothing five minutes or they'll, they'll or, pull or, you all together and like all yeah right, here's five minutes left you guys or, all got to talk together or Spanish. as what happened with fury he's decide he's bored and he's he leaves and then it's the, the people who are left are the ones who get screwed over so do you know anybody that 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 happened to the probably i mean uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no no you're still upset about that one aren't you i just, I just think it's anyway um <laughs> but no. as for the media today the, just but, the so, overall so, event so today. getting getting back to on track I thought today was actually funny enough as is build the fight as the fight is built is a bit of a hybrid. We had boxing and MMA media, a oh, bit more boxing than MMA, but fairly evenly numbered. And I thought that during the press conference and the stare down, it was very much like an MMA event where everyone just sat in their seats and recorded it nicely and right. with a stare down. No Didn't one, participate with it, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of heckling, but that was from Paulie's um, entourage. Entourage. But um, for the most part, everyone just stayed quiet and and filmed it politely. And then afterwards with the scrums, it was quite funny because Artem's... Artem, I think, was doing one-on-ones. Everyone was sort of getting a one-on-one with him. But Paulie was doing scrums. So it was like the boxing media went and did their boxing thing with Paulie. And I know that you got a scrum with Paulie. I know it was a scrum. You couldn't get a one-on-one with him. Yeah. Um, whereas Artem was a bit more um, easily accessible. I don't necessarily think that's the... Who's who, who the fans are more paying attention to, but I do think that's who is garnering the most media. You know, the, the boxing media seem to be coming out more for Paulie than the MMA media are coming out for Artem, if that makes sense. I don't know if you'd agree, but well, no, I, I think I think yeah. Well, in sheer term uh, numbers, uh, there's definitely more. Like you said, there was kind of more even today, but there still were more boxing media, I think, present. Mm. So that's why it seemed to me that more boxing media were hovering around Polly. Which is ironic because I feel like until today, the whole boxing versus MMA narrative hasn't really been touched on. And then today... Today they were thrown Yeah, today pr- the promoter David Feldman like really 
you know, right. basically took two minutes out of everything to say, just reminding you, this is boxing versus right. MMA. And I thought they'd actually steered clear to that angle yeah. until today. What's well, kind of weird, uh, and I, I almost credit him because he's been good about finding those uh, key terms to really focus on and push it. And it's almost like he's doing a, a Google trend SEO search. Thing, yeah. Like, all right, what is going to resonate the most? You know, okay, well, we said before it was that, Connor might come. All right, let's. All right, we we talked about that. Let's check mark that. And now it's the oh, the MMA versus boxing because clearly this is boxing versus MMA. Well, it's like, bro, it's not really. Well, that's what know? actually when he when he started that conversation today on the on the dais and he was like, this is boxing versus MMA. I I, you know, I don't like to be cynical, but I was like, oh, so this is the angle we're taking now. Like this is the the freshest angle to get more viewers in. I don't think it needs it to be right. honest. And I actually, don't think boxing versus MMA is a a selling point. I think these two men getting into a bare knuckled fight is the selling point. Like why would you murky the waters almost? I don't know. That's true. Oh well, let's. Uh, we're talking about the guys when they got up there. Um, they actually did trade some words, and it kind of felt reminiscent of what the other ones happened. You know, they start off with Artem. He goes up, says a couple things, you know, very short, short-winded. Then he sits down. Then, of course, Paulie gets in it, and then it's like, Ar- then Artem's going to chirp. Mm. He's going to talk back, which is kind of what we saw happen before. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you expected, what was going to happen today? No, I thought the layer. I thought they promotion had learned from new york to give him a mic <laughs> essentially that was uh, that was awkward well, that's you know. that's what the issue in new york was yeah i don't think it's i think it's pretty obvious that artem is from the mma press conference world whether you don't do speeches you sit down and you have a back and forth yeah and Paul, this is well, even connor had an issue of that when, when it was connor mayweather yeah even he, by the end of the tour he got better but it was still awkward yeah because, because they're not used to having yeah. like here's a 10 minute speech window go for it yeah. And so I think Artem is probably just like, well, let's just skip the speech stuff and just get to the back and forth. Yeah. But the issue is they never give him a mic. Yeah. So what happens is he skips his bit. Paulie gets up there and Paulie's very comfortable. Yeah. In just talking. And then Artem tries to get the back and forth going. And it's kind of like, I mean, they had some fun back and forth. So even about that, Paulie said, like, why are you, uh, why are you talking when I'm talking? And Artem says something like, what is this, a fucking wedding? We're not here to make speeches. We're here to talk. Yeah. And then Paulie had a good comeback being like, well, you want to talk? Let's talk. Well, sure, you know, how's your training gone? And stuff. And he did a mock interview. Yeah. So that was a good back and forth with him. Right. But again, if both of them had a mic, it would have been a little bit better. Yeah, that's true. And it's funny because when you think about that, even some of the greatest uh, shit talkers of MMA, you know, I think a lot of people look at Connor, a lot of people look at Chael Sonnen. Mm-hmm. It's always about the back and forth. Chael, I think, could go up there and just throw a great speech and be it'd be wonderful. You'd be like, oh, but you would still want to hear him chirp back, you know. So that's I think one of the best things that is that chirping back. But I think for the boxing side, they're not used to that. You know, they'll either say their few words there might be a little bit of chirping then they do a face-off they maybe chirp a little bit and then it's done but never the extended like mma i think we're used to the extended chirping that goes back and forth because it happens a lot more i just don't think that that happens as much in maybe some of these other boxing medias at some point they just sort of 
put an end to it. Yeah. And I think that's why some of them are like, dude, why are you even talking to me? You had your chance to talk. But, you know? but I don't understand from a consumer of the media, which, I, which that's a very wanky thing to say. But as someone who's seen both of them at this point, I don't understand how you could objectively say that the MMA way isn't better. Because at that point, both athletes are either sink or swim because you either are witty or you make yourself look like a fool. So right. fans get to see more genuine stuff. Right. And B... I don't understand really the interest in a guy getting up and saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, right. I'm going to do this, to essentially the benefit of his friends who are in attendance, clapping him and cheering yeah. him on. And that's not even a jab at Paulie. That just seems to be the trend of boxing. They get up and go, I'm going to smash this guy. Yeah. It's like, the, yeah. the interest is in their back and forth. Yeah. I wonder, though, if some, if some boxing events or even just some MMA events, like when you have some of the, you know, obviously when people are here to see fighter A and fighter B, a lot of times fighter F and G sit up on the dais half the time and they never get asked anything. So I, I, I like the idea of, of giving them at least a platform to like go say something and then sit down because nobody's going to ask you but any it, other it, questions. Isn't, isn't that what the UFC do now with post-fight press conference where they don't do multi-post-fight press conference anymore? They bring them out one at a time. Right. Is essentially to ensure everyone gets asked a question. Sure. There's a compromise, no? Yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, for me, like, yeah, it, it, it's just a weird dynamic because, you know, who, who wants to hear, uh, just speeches are bizarre to me, I yeah. think. It's just, yeah, we want to hear them argue, you know? And yeah. So today was fun. So I, I guess, you know, I, we, I'm sure people don't want to hear us ramble too much yeah. about all this good stuff, but um, let's just go quickly on the fight before we toss it back to John. Um, you know, we've, you know, there's always the hope. There's always the hope that the <laughs> MMA guy is going to do well. But again, this is still primarily a boxing event. Yeah. But this, there is clinch. There is, there is things that can play to uh, Artem's favor. So, you know, give me the spiel. Win me over. You know, when you think about this fight, when you think about how it could go, where do you see it going? And and are there ways that Artem can pull this? victory out i mean cold coffee if you want me to cut you a promo convincing you i'll cut you a promo right now <laughs> listen ladies and gentlemen listen to this story <laughs> listen to the story <laughs> let me tell you something there's once a man born <laughs> no, I'm joking. But, <laughs> i was like let me go get a beer I'm but what, what people need to understand is this is not boxing versus mma in a boxing ring in the same way mayweather mcgregor was that was an mma guy putting on boxing gloves and trying to box a boxer okay and even then he didn't do that bad in the first three rounds that's besides the point all right what we're dealing with is an, a complete unknown. This is a complete new thing. This isn't a boxer versus an MMA guy. This is two guys with two different skill sets going into a bare-knuckle fight. And the reason why I say this is so different is because Paulie Malignaggi is going in there, and it's not a secret. He's going in there to stick and move. He's going to try and jab his left hand into Artem's face over and over while retreating to the right, retreating to the left, and slipping any punches coming back, and essentially staying on his bicycle the whole fight. Why won't that work? Well, there's a reason, a couple of reasons why that won't work. First of all, they don't start on opposite sides of the rings. They start within arm's reach of each other. So immediately, if Artem feels like it, he can swarm forward and Paulie's going to have to literally run away from him to get away and Break get that range. Right from the That's get-go. pretty hard if someone's swinging fists at you to immediately run back. Yeah. Secondly, what I don't think people realize is this is not a boxing ring. This is a very, very, very much smaller circular ring. 
So when you're a boxer, if you get pushed up into the corner, you can go for that clinch, it gets separated, and you get back in the middle. Not so in this case. If you get pushed against the ropes, it's not very easy to find yourself into a backed position where you can grab the clinch and separate action. Because why? Well, in this rule set, if you get a clinch, you're there for as long as you're there for. Yeah. And that's where Artem... <laughs> you need to break the clinch and get That's out. where you're there for. Yeah. And this is where I think Artem... I spoke to Artem earlier today, and I said, I don't think it's a secret anymore what you guys tactics are he's going to try and jab you and move and you're going to try and get a hold of him and and rough him up in the clinch because he won't be used to the clinch now there's right. obviously downsides to both can paulie's hand stand 100 jabs around probably not can artem grab that clinch when both of them are soaked in blood probably not but still that confusion means this is in no way an easy way to predict because we're dealing with I hate to be quoting Dana White or whatever, but at some point with fighting, you know, the guy who should win usually wins. But at some point, and especially when you take the gloves off, you're talking about two dudes just swinging fists at each other. Right. And I think that's never more true than in bare knuckle boxing in a small ring in the humidity of fucking Tampa, Florida. Yeah. And it is humid here. <laughs> it sucks. But my room's nice and frosty. Fucking hell, mate. It's like getting into the Arctic, isn't it? <laughs> but I, I raised it up. It's like, I think I put it at 66 or Yeah, 68. you raised it really high to I 66. Did. You know, as soon I've as only you got, leave, I've only I'm got, literally I'll... dropping it back down to like 60. Yeah, only the, only the few icicles dripping off my fucking toes. <laughs> but no, I love the way that you sell it. And when you say it like that, I mean... Yeah, they you should pay me, me money for that, to you, be honest. You, you, you hype me up, man. You're, you're swinging me towards Artem's weight. Because you're right. It, when you look at the fact to, you know... Paulie's been away from the game. He hasn't been in there. I mean, anybody can go in there. He and, and he's been training. He's been hitting the bag. He's been doing that sort of thing. He's been sparring. Yeah. But that's different. Well, also, it's that's uh, different the, than what's going to happen inside there. Also, I think Artem had a good point earlier. Like, this is five rounds or two minute rounds. So it's essentially a sprint for two minutes. As we saw in the Jason Knight fight, it's a sprint for two minutes and try not to die in the minute break and get your breath back. And if you're Paulie Malignaggi and you've been a world champion boxer, you're going to look at Artem with a, a, a record like Artem has. And I don't see how you wouldn't be overconfident. You'd surely... I was a world champion. This guy's, you know, 50, you know, 50, 50 in MMA. I'm going to box this guy clueless. I can't imagine he would be like, okay, so this is how I analyze bare knuckle boxing. I've got to sprint my bollocks off for two minutes. I just don't see how he would think like that. And I think... Artem said it best. And again, I, I sound like I'm really pushing Artem's going to win here. I don't know. No one knows what's going to happen. Yeah. It's a crazy thing. But I do think Artem has a point where it's like, what's, <laughs> what bare knuckle boxing is, is two men get in a ring and you press the go button on a blender for two minutes and then take it off and then you put it back on. And I really think if that's how it turns out, if it is just absolute chaos, I do think that benefits Artem because he's probably tougher I think if you drop him and he gets 10 seconds to recover, he will recover. And I think he's fought more recently. He's more used to it. And I think at some point, if I was poorly and I was, you know, later on in my career, hadn't fought for years, hands are hurting, I'd be like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. You know? He's got all that nice jewelry and clothes. I mean, what's he need to keep doing this for, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, let's, <laughs> but let's leave it at that. I mean, I... Um, I think that you raised a lot of good points and there's going to be a lot of questions to see what happens. I'm very excited to see what happens. Tomorrow we have the 
the weigh-ins to see how they actually look, see how everybody else is looking. And how they'll behave. How they'll behave themselves. And then we have uh, the fights coming on uh, Saturday. So, yeah, very, very exciting. Should be good. And uh, luckily to date, uh, uh, Rumble Johnson has not destroyed anybody. But he has been the uh, uh, super uh, daunting monolith in the back of the room that nobody 100%. wants to act. I think that's why the press conference went so well because everybody looked up and they're like, oh shit. One of the boxing media guy goes, why the fuck is Rumble Johnson here? I was like, look where he's standing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's, behind, like, he's on Artem's side of the yeah. stage. He's like, there just, shit goes bad. Yeah. Like, he would literally destroy an entourage with one arm, and then he's like, "Where's another entourage for me to hit?" You know, just, literally just go through them. Just go through, but and then no, it should a be Harley fun. Davidson off into the and, sunset, and then Harley's like, "You could have it. <laughs> Who's gonna stop him? Who's gonna stop him?" <laughs> so it should be fun. So yeah, it, it'd be good. So uh, that's our quick little update from the. Uh, I guess it wasn't really quick. It was twenty minutes. Was it, oh, we so meant much, to go so ten much minutes. For 10. I know we went meant to go for ten, but. Uh, yeah, that's our lovely update from the hot and humid Tampa, where a lot of questions will be answered in short time uh, to see what's going to happen. I'm excited for this fight. Are you excited for this fight? Because I'm actually, after watching it and hearing these guys talk, hearing um, the emotions, like whether or not they really want to say that the other person's gotten under their skin, they've gotten under their skin. 100%. And so they are completely. They yeah, they're lying. <laughs> But I'm completely into it. It's it's there's something about watching two people that really just have gotten under each other's skin and they finally just decided let's just fucking throw down. Let's yeah. and now that time is here, you know. And uh, I think a lot of the buildup leading into it of this boxing versus MMA, it's it's unfortunately has kind of drawn all this into it because it's now it's always like this well, it, our guy against your but guy. But it only it only works I think if these two were behaving the same way Floyd and Connor did, where they're both really loud mouthed and very outspoken, yeah. it wouldn't work as well. But because Artem's fairly soft spoken right. and Paulie's the one who's doing Yeah, all the only this, time he really chirps is when he's in retaliation or something that Paul yeah, is immediately and, and because right Paulie's the one who's far more aggressive, I think it's a different dynamic and yeah it has I, I think it has sucked us in because yeah on some extent someone needs to answer for something you know essentially yeah. on saturday someone's answering somebody's gonna bleed someone's gonna get bruised up uh and uh it should be pretty fucking exciting <laughs> yeah boy. <laughs> yeah so all right well hey that's it from here in tampa thank you oscar for joining me so and good. uh now let's send it on back to john Welcome back to Las Vegas. That was Cold Coffee breaking it down from Florida. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You're probably going to hear this before I do. <laughs> uh, Cold Coffee is, is, uh, is, is working right now to record his segment as well. And then he's going to do all his magical editing and put it all together. But uh, since he's the one that does the editing, I won't hear the segment until the show's out. So you might hear it before I do. And considering I have to work in the morning... Uh, you, you you might very well uh, hear it well before me. <laughs> no, but you know, we just keeps it real here. There's no need to to to, uh, to to pretend how this thing is playing out. That's that's how we're doing it. Uh, I have to to go now at this point. I am going uh, over to the Fight Dome at the Rio uh, here in Las Vegas. Going to call Final Fight Championship 38. 
me and Frank Mir on the call. It's going to stream live on uh, MMA Junkie. We've uh, they have been kind enough. They, this is the first one that's streaming live. You know they've been doing tape delay to CBS Sports. Now they're going to start streaming them live, and, and uh, they're doing it on their own Facebook and on their YouTube as well. But they've been kind enough to give us the stream also, uh, so that we can stream it out as well. So uh, I'm excited about it. Obviously, by the time this this episode comes out, the the, the fights will be in the book. But you know that you can watch for them in the future. Uh, you know, when cold coffee's in town, we'll probably do the podcast, you know, around the show or something like that. Maybe uh, so we'll be able to, to talk about it afterwards. But um, I, I think we're going to try to stream these bad boys moving forward, hopefully. Uh, tonight, Jake Cuccinello versus Jamal Emmer. So a couple guys that have been uh, ha- had a little taste of the big show. Uh, they're they're going to battle it out. I think that should be a fun fight. Max Roshkoff is on the on the card. You certainly heard me talking about him before. Uh, he's a uh, considered a pretty top-level prospect. Everybody here in the uh, the Vegas area respects him. Uh, training out of Extreme Couture and Drysdale Jiu-Jitsu as well. And uh, Keith Lee's on the card, the brother of Kevin Lee. He's he's there as well. So uh, just a five-fight card tonight. They, they don't have uh, – they don't do the Bellator 20-fight thing. They keep them quick, keep them short, uh, but uh, some, some interesting names to say the least. So uh, I'm going to go do that, and, uh, you know, hopefully maybe you stumble upon it uh, tonight. Uh, like I said, it, the, the, by the time this episode comes out, the fights will be in the book, but the replay will be there if you want to check them out. If not, uh, just keep an eye out for those in the future because I think we're going to be streaming them. And, uh, yeah, like I said, busy, busy day, man. Busy stuff going on. Uh, contender Series earlier this week. Now, uh, the UFC Performance Institute during the day, Final Fight Championship at night, uh, Bellator, UFC, uh, Bare Knuckle all this weekend. I, I dig it, man. I dig it. I love when combat sports is busy. To hell with your saturation talk, man. Give me as much as you can. Uh, All right, I'm off to work. Everybody else, thanks for listening.